Hello, Scream Demons, and welcome to the Screens from the Basement podcast. I am Casey, and I am joined with my co-host, Sam. I know this is I'm a bi-weekly <laughs> horror podcast in which two horror fans discuss all things horror, including news, recent watches, horror collectibles, and more. I, uh, I'm i one of your co-hosts, Casey, and I kind of jumped the gun in the beginning. I'm Sam. Uh, Sam, let's get, let's get let's screaming. Get screaming. <laughs> you know what's so funny, dude? While the music was playing, I was like, God, I should intentionally screw up the intro this time as a joke. Don't worry, <laughs> I, I got you, Sam. Barreled right through it. Oh, that was great. <laughs> I got you, Sam. I was confused. I was excited with our new toy. We could actually hear the music this time. Um, you're back for the first time in a couple weeks. I was yes. excited. I had I was I was getting excited again. This is a very exciting episode. I'm glad to be back. This is a this isn't this is gonna be all right at the top. Let's tell our our scream demons uh, an aptly titled name for this episode. Um, yes. that this is gonna be a long one. This is gonna be a doozy. Yeah. It's gonna be a doozy, and we're saving. So we're talking. We're talking Friday the 13th, Jason Takes Manhattan, and Scream 6, Mm -hmm. and we kind of talked about it. We know we have a bet going. We don't want to spoil this for anybody. We're not going to talk about the outcome of the bet until we get into spoiler talk in Scream 6, and that will be the very end of the episode. So you'll be able to listen to this all the way up until our Scream 6 spoiler discussion, and then we will obviously tell you if you don't want to learn anything more about Scream 6, don't move on. We'll talk about the bet, all that kind of stuff. And our bet outcome episode will not come out until after Scream 6 has arrived on VOD so that the obvious choice of who gets to pick those movies or if we both didn't get to pick any movies, that will be revealed much later. So, Yeah, yeah. Sam Sam brought up a good point right before we went to Scream and was like, maybe we should wait till after this movie is available for everyone. Uh, because we would spoil the entire twist, who's the killer, yeah. in, in our next episode just by titling the episode. So, yeah, we're going to wait yep. till whenever that comes out, probably in the next... I mean, it's usually around, what, 90 like, days? I think Less 45 days at yeah. this point, because usually, like, Paramount has, like, a 45-day window, so it should be on, like, Paramount Plus mm-hmm. and available to, like, rent and all that pretty soon, I'd say, within a month and a half-ish. Yeah, so this summer so, we'll probably be doing the the follow-up episode for, for 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 the bet portion of this. Yeah, yeah, so keep your ears peeled for that once, once you've seen Scream 6. <laughs> yes. Well, Sam, we'll, like you said, we are talking Scream 6, and Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. We're going to New York, oh, yeah. baby. Sam, have you ever been to New York? I have not. Neither have I. Um, this is the closest yeah. we're getting. This is the closest I've gotten, yeah. Uh, you know, funny story. I was actually, the uh, the music trip my senior year was to New York. And I decided kind of last minute that I just didn't feel like going. It was over my birthday weekend. I was like, I'd rather stay home and, you know. I think it was actually because Scream 4 was coming out. <laughs> and uh, instead, I got into a really bad car accident and spent like two weeks in the hospital and spent my 18th birthday in the hospital. So my uh, my moral to all of you people is if you have a chance to go to New York, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it or you'll end up like Sam in a car accident. 
Yeah, like in in most cases, like going to New York in these movies would kill you. Not going to New York almost killed me. <laughs> so yeah, go to New York, everybody. Go to New York, everyone. Uh, Sam, well, let's get into this. We have a lot of a lot of news. We got a lot of doobie doing to catch up on, and then obviously yes, our big big discussion on two very big big topics for us at the end. But uh, should we jump into seller news? Absolutely. All right, I'm gonna let's try this, this this musical cue for us. Let's go. All right, seller news. Uh, what's the what's the first thing we got going on here for seller news? Um, this is one that uh, for some reason we have not talked about yet, but they keep adding yeah. to this cast. This is the, some casting news for Robert Eggers' Nosferatu remake, which uh, for the longest time has been rumored since the the Witch came out. I think that was supposed to be his next thing. Then the Lighthouse, then the Northman. Yep. Now we're finally getting Nosferatu. Um, and the big news is that Aaron Taylor Johnson has ad- added himself to the cast of this movie. Um, I'm going to quickly run down who else in this movie. Because I'm like, I don't even know at this point. There's so many people in it. Um, yeah. uh, Bill Skarsgård is set to play, I believe, Count Orlock in this movie. Really? Uh, L- Lily Rose Depp has also joined the cast. Um, and let's see who else. What is it? That Looks we, like they Nick Holt, mentioned... Defoe. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a few other people that have said to be have undisclosed roles. So, including Nicholas Holt and Willem Defoe. Um, I'm pretty pretty dang excited for this. Um, yeah. I think this is kind of a, in a way, a who's who of kind of these. I don't know, I guess modern character actors with Willem Dafoe, um, Bill Skarsgård, Nicholas Holt. I think that's cool to have that, just that trio alone in a movie together, let alone a vampire Nosferatu movie. Yeah, agreed 100%. And I know, I know, uh, I didn't realize Bill Skarsgård was at least rumored to be playing Orlock and that's... Mm -hmm. Uh, that gets me kind of excited, actually, dude. Like that guy, his his performance is Pennywise. Like if he he might not want this, but if he just got typecast as like a creature guy, similar to you know like, um, oh why am I blanking on his last name? But Javier, the guy who played like Mama, um, and oh, uh, the yeah, leper Javier in the It movie, Botine, Botine, yeah, yeah. Or Doug um, Jones. Or like Doug Jones. Like yeah. if, if Bill Skarsgård was the next one of like those kind of actors or like Bonnie Aarons who does like the nun. Um, I would love that, man. Because he's so good at that type of character. He's so good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Aaron Taylor Johnson, I can see maybe yeah. getting into the, uh, I don't remember what he's called in nosferatu because they change all the names of the characters from dracula but yeah like nina's like the the hero the boyfriend type yeah of, the yeah. hero nina's boyfriend i think is what he is in the original mm-hmm. novel i don't remember what his name is in the nosferatu film but yeah i could see him playing that type of lead uh who knows maybe nicholas holt will be playing this version of runfield in it too I- 
I think that would funny. actually be kind of genius if he did. I, I would love that. I would love if we got Nick Holt as Renfield, I, especially because, you know, this is going to be totally, tonally different than what than what Renfield is yeah. like. There's no way that we're going to get the Nosferatu trailer and he's going to be cracking jokes and taking people's heads off with like silver platters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to see Willem Dafoe in here. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of inspired since he's played Nosferatu. He's played Count Orlock before. Um, so I think that's pretty cool to see him back all these years later in this, I guess, kind of in this universe again. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. That's why I feel like Nick Holt being the Renfield character wouldn't be that weird because there's already a little bit of that meta-ness with like Willem Dafoe coming back after he's mm -hmm. already played Max Shrek, Count Orlock, and so I yeah, I think that's I think this is a great cast. Um, I don't think Eggers is missed yet. I still haven't seen The Lighthouse, but I love The Northman and I love The Witch, so. Yeah, I haven't seen The Northman yet. I love The Lighthouse, and I, I need I know. to. I keep I need needing to, to actually visit that. Yeah, maybe we need to just do an episode so we make each other watch the other one that that we yeah. haven't seen. An Eggers. Episode. Oh, absolutely. We could just uh, do a triple feature, honestly. Yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch The Witch. I haven't watched it since it first released in theaters. So nice. Yeah. Next up for news, Sam. I'm going to give this one to you. What what what's what's next up in the news? Yeah, so we're getting another Hellboy movie, and they just announced who Hellboy is. I'll Ron be honest Perlman? With <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Unfortunately not, Ron Perlman. I think that ship has sailed. I've stopped hoping for it. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to see GDT and Ron Perlman come back for a Hellboy 3. I just genuinely don't think it's going to happen at this yeah. point. And their two Hellboy movies rule. They're They're the best. Um, the Golden Army, I still think, is the best superhero movie of 2008. I do not care. The Dark Knight is fine, but Golden Army is better. Um, <laughs> I, am, I am like a massive Hellboy fan. I love it. Um, and I'm so ready to see this folk horror twist on it. Um, I think the 2019 one was fun, but messy. And the best part of that, I think, was the Baba Yaga scene, which was very folk horror-like. And so the fact that they're seeming to be going for that in this new one, as well as uh, having Mike Magnolia be, like, Mike Magnolia be the one that's actually writing the script, I think this is going to be a pretty damn cool Hellboy movie. As far as who was cast as him, we don't have it in the show notes. I cannot remember this dude's name. Uh, it is. I don't know this guy from anything. It is. I don't either. Jack Kessie, I believe, is how yeah. you pronounce his name. He was in That's Deadpool right. two. Yeah, who was he I, in Deadpool two? He Black Tom. Like I don't remember who that is. I wonder if he was one of them that just died right away. <laughs> that could be. I don't. He was know probably this. part of Task Force X or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know this guy from anything. Um, Brian Taylor is going to be directing uh, from the Crank movies. Uh, yeah. So I yeah. think that, that's cool. Um, I'm not as a, a massive Hellboy fan. I've only ever seen the first Del Toro movie, actually. Um, oh, I've you've never, never seen, seen the Golden Army? I've never seen Golden Army. I haven't seen the, what, 2019 remake? The one with David Harbour. Yeah. I, 
it's I'm, it's messy, but I like it. I, it's fun, man. I dig it. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty lukewarm on Del Toro's first Hellboy. I think it's my least favorite Del Toro movie. Really? Um, yeah, I, I'm just kind of lukewarm on it. Uh, but I might okay. need to revisit it and obviously watch the the Golden Army too. But yeah, I don't know. I Hellboy's love both never of those been movies, my... but for what it's worth, yeah. I think two is better. I think you'll like two I've, more. I've 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 heard that. I've heard a lot of people. I've never heard anyone say it's better than The Dark Knight. You are alone on that island. <laughs> I am I... alone on that island, but I it's it's how I feel. I'm standing to my truth. <laughs> so I this this is cool. I think it, I mean maybe could have let it sit a couple more years from the maybe. David Harbor one, but. I mean, no one content. saw it, though. Content, so. <laughs> baby. We need content. Uh, next Most up, we got... people have a... already forgotten about 2019 and 2019s anyways, so... That's true. That was 30 years ago at this point. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, another movie people probably have forgotten about, Eddie Murphy's Haunted Mansion. This is getting an updated, <laughs> updated version from Disney coming to theaters later this year. New trailer just dropped for it. First look at the movie. Uh, this is pretty, pretty dang exciting. Uh, yeah, it looks it looks creepy. Looks a little scary. Um, it also looks fun in a dis you know that Disney mm -hmm. type of adventure. Um, I'm glad it's not too too hokey. You know, the, yeah. the Disney definitely could have played this up as well, like the Eddie Murphy version where it was pretty <laughs> pretty, pretty cheesy and pretty. I have a soft spot too, for it, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a little too family friendly. Uh, we can't. I, I think us watching it as kids, we we hit that sweet spot of like this yeah. is goofy enough. We can have fun with it, but probably doesn't hold up too well. I don't know. I haven't watched it in a while, but this one looks fun. I, I've I watched mean, it's it recently. It's fun. It's fun. Um, this one looks better. <laughs> yeah, this this looks yeah. a lot better. We got Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Um, who's the main actress in this? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Uh, isn't it Rosario Dawson? Yes. Isn't she in this? You're correct. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we saw this trailer on the big screen when yeah. we went and saw Scream 6. Um, and it played really well in the theater, I thought. I thought the mm -hmm. crowd was, like, super into it. Um, they laughed when they needed to. They were kind of, you know, like, it does look a little spooky. Like, there are some actual kind of creepy sequences in the trailer. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. For someone who really likes those, like, 80s dark Disney vibe movies mm -hmm. um this doesn't quite match that but it's closer than what they have been in years so i'm kind of excited for this one actually we'll be talking some dark disney later in what you do be doing just to, uh yeah i saw your letterbox i haven't seen that one i'm excited to hear your thoughts on it little tease uh next up why is this in the notes sam i'm going to throw it to you okay so <laughs> <laughs> um guy i love monster movies it's like my favorite thing and like part of part of being a kid and growing up and becoming a monster kid is sometimes monster stuff isn't really horror but it's what gets you interested in monsters right mm -hmm. and for me that's teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem the new animated movie uh produced by seth rogan is uh just got a new trailer and it looks awesome. I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Rocksteady and Bebop are like my favorite villain characters in just about any cartoon. 
especially of that era. And I'm stoked that we get Seth Rogen and John Cena voicing those two. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the animation style of this is very similar to something that like we've seen in um, in Spider-Verse, mm -hmm. which is incredible. I love that animation style. I love that movies have kind of been taking notes from that. Um, and I don't know, this movie just, I love all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. I am a, I am a, an apologist for the three nineties ones. I love them unabashedly. You don't I really need to like apologize to... for two out of those three, Sam. No, I don't, but three is still good. I still like three. Mm. I, I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill. Um, and the Teenage Mutant, the TMNT movie from 2007, really good, really good. But this one just looks like it's on a different level. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very excited for it. And yeah, it's horror adjacent. So we talking about it. That's what I put in the notes. So part of part of the reason that I grew up and got into horror is because of stuff like mutants in like a more safe environment, like the Teenage Mutant mm -hmm. Ninja Turtles, where the mutants weren't necessarily scary. They were just fun and they had cool designs. And then, you know, as time went on, I got into the like actual scary stuff. But I don't know. I love teen, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I have a podcast. So I was like, I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> No, this is this is not the only only time we're going to be talking about some cartoon mutant mayhem on this episode. Uh, I'm excited exactly. for this movie. This movie looks awesome. Uh, I was a little hesitant at first because I I feel like Ninja Turtle fans have, whether they want to believe it or not, have been burned a bit by those Michael yeah. Bay produced movies. Yeah. They just weren't. They just weren't very good. I mean, the, the, there's no other two way was, to put it. Two was fine, but one was. Yeah, they, they did my my yeah. favorite Ninja Turtles character dirty in that movie, Casey yes, they Jones. They did. <laughs> they one hundred percent did. So I, I that movie has leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But uh, yeah, I was I, I was a Ninja Turtles kid too, where I I watched the the two the first two nineties movies on repeats all the time, and then I had the toys. I never watched any cartoons as a kid. That was just I don't know. I was I was, well, you know, too young to be into the eighties ones. I. By the time that craze had finished, I was like getting the leftovers from garage sales of the toys, yeah. and the show wasn't on at that point. Kind of the big thing when I was a kid was those those '90s movies. Um, so that's yeah. that, that's my my Ninja Turtles. But this looks, I mean, this looks awesome. I'm excited for it. Huge cast. I'm also glad that they didn't just stunt cast the turtles. Yeah, that it's just four teenage four relatively actors. unknown teenage actors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I was expecting. I was expecting like Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd and John Cena. Can you imagine Seth Rogen's voicing... laugh coming out of Michelangelo? <laughs> I'm glad Pizza. we're on the same. Cheese. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. I'm glad that they're the stunt casting is with the villains. I think that's more fun. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. And at least I love William Fitchner, but at least we don't have some white dude playing Shredder in a Transformer I forgot, suit. I forgot. <laughs> oh in God. clearly a reshot third act. <laughs> yeah, that movie. Yeah, those aren't good. Those are not good. <laughs> All right. Next up uh, in our seller news, I'm I'm throwing this in here, Sam. We're gonna we're gonna do it. 
Um, we're going to do Casey's toy box. We're going to do Casey's toy box. I don't know if that's going to be a segment name or just thrown in here in the news every once in a while, but we're going to talk about some toy news. Um, Hell yeah. First up, speaking of some toxic, toxic waste, mutant mayhem going on, uh, trick or treat studios has announced a, uh, toxic crusaders, toxy five inch action figure, um, from the toxic crusaders animated series. He looks incredible. Uh, comes with the mop. Uh, comes with like a bottle of sludge of toxic of waste. actual slime. Yeah, yeah. Of actual <laughs> straight up '90s slime that you would see on Nickelodeon or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This figure looks incredible. I I pre-ordered it just because I need a, a toxy in my collection. Um, I might have to too, actually. <laughs> and, and I, I mean, it's it, it's going for nineteen ninety nine. Not a bad price for this this Not figure bad. at all. Um, if you go back and try to find the Toxic Crusaders animated series figures, they're running out of box, beat up, and bitten fingers off for fifty bucks. So twenty bucks for a brand new figure. I think that's a that's a perfect price point for these. Oh yeah. Uh, next after that, uh, this one's pretty cool. I just thought I'd throw this in here. Um, it seems like every big franchise is getting into either video board games, games, video games or board games right now. Yeah. Cause we have a, cause there was a, my bloody Valentine board game. There's been mm-hmm. a Friday the 13th one. Um, and now we've got a, a Texas the universal Ma- monsters one. Yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're getting a Texas Chainsaw Massacre board game, also from Trick or Treat Studios. Uh, this looks pretty cool. It's a tabletop game. Uh, basically, I think you're teaming up to stay away from Leatherface and this family. Yep. Uh, see, and those types of games, I love horror games because they're always kind of cooperative, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I have like, you know, I've got the I've got the horrified, which is the universal monsters. I've got a hocus pocus one. All of them are like collaborations. I've got a couple zombie ones that are like collaborations to make sure you're all surviving, and it's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I love this trend of board games based on movies. Um, this is one hundred percent one of those things that, I mean, obviously you, me, Maria, Kayla will get together and probably have a game night with this one because yeah. this looks fun as hell. <laughs> it does. Um, I'm excited because it also is including these miniature figures. Yeah. From the first oh my God. movie. I think that's super cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you Those can... Those would go really well right next to my uh, my Halloween ones that I got from Fright Rags. I'm I'm spell I'm I'm spelling I'm smelling a trick or treat studios order coming Sam's way for these. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, these are cool. So it comes with eleven miniature characters, obviously Leatherface and his family, and the uh, the the, uh, the kids from the first movie. Um, you even get uh, what what what's his name in the wheelchair? Franklin. Franklin. Franklin in the wheelchair, so you can uh, shove your your chains onto his gut. <laughs> Uh, next up, these are cool. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pick these up, but, uh, these are from super seven, which they also have a pretty dang cool line of toxic crusaders figures that Mm. are about 60 bucks, but they're, 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 they're super cool. Um, these are the reaction line. I think you have some of these, not, Oh yeah. I've got a few of them. Other characters. 
Yeah. Uh, this is going to be the reaction line for Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. Uh, comes with the the Grim Reaper Homer, the Inside Out uh, Bart, Skeleton Marge, <laughs> and uh, Kang Dole. Uh, this is yep. these are cool. Uh, I remember as Those a kid, awesome. kid going to Burger King, and they would always have Treehouse of Horrors figures around. October, and I thought those yeah. were the coolest things ever. And so these kind of mm -hmm. remind me of that. Uh, yeah, I just I don't think I'll pick them up. Twenty bucks for these figures is a bit too much. I want them in my 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 mighty kids meal instead. Yeah, yeah, I want to spend three dollars on a really bad cheeseburger and fries and <laughs> pull one out. Give me those crown chicken nuggets and a Homer, and then I'll be set. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, Treehouse of Horror. That's a that was seminal in in gateway horror, especially for for people for kids our age. Like, that's honestly I, my first Nightmare on Elm Street experience was Treehouse of Horror, was when Willie is the Freddy stand-in, and I just that one was so funny, but it also like genuinely scared me. Mm -hmm. And uh, but afterwards, I couldn't wait to watch the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So. <laughs> All right, last one here. What are, what is the last one? Oh, these these are cool. Uh, these are the NECA mm. Toonie Terrors. Um, they have announced their Series Eight, which these these figures kind of look like they they look like they came out of a Scooby Doo cartoon. Is all I can describe. Yes, these as. the Toonie and, Terrors ones. Yep, and I have a few of them. Um, but this I next do. line uh, includes Sven Gulli with the rubber chicken. Vampira and Captain Spaulding. Yep. Those are so, awesome. These, I, these, I, these rule. I Sven Gulli might end up in my collection, I think, out of these. See, I'm I'm the most drawn to Vampira. Uh I I don't know. I'm glad that Vampira is getting a little bit of a resurgence because I feel like she's very much overlooked, especially with Elvira. And to be fair, Elvira is my favorite horror host of all time. I love her; she's great. Mm -hmm. But like, there's no Elvira without Vampira first, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just glad to see her kind of getting a little bit more spotlight in recent years. Um, I just bought a book actually, like last year, um, that's written by her daughter. That's all about all about Vampira and like the the things she went through. And I still haven't read it yet. It's been sitting on my shelf, but. I need to because I read Elvira's book and it was really good. So, yeah, it's cool that it's cool that we're getting like these horror hosts in the Toonie Terrors. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny that you say that they're like Scooby Doo characters because I swear to God that I've seen a few of the Scooby Doo villain ones, and they just they look exactly the same as in the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's just the art style that they're going for. But yeah, these are awesome. These are awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say I think I have I have Freddy, the Miner from. My Bloody Valentine and Nosferatu. Mm. Those are the only ones I have. I know that I have Chucky and Tiffany. Those are cool looking. Where they're at. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're great. They're great. Yeah, there's even a Herbert. I mean, they, they've done so many characters. There's Herbert West from from Reanimator. Yes. Oh, and I have Captain Blake from The Fog. I got yep. that one for Maria. Yep. Yep. So I'm cool. I'm thinking we'll get a we'll get a Joe Bob in the Toonie Terrors line with Sven Gulli and Vampire in this one. It would have been cool if oh, Joe yeah. Bob was included in this, and maybe save yeah. Captain Spaulding for the other three 
you know, the other two out of the three Devils rejects and done those three together. But I think we'll get Joe JB at some point. Yeah. Maybe Joe Bob will be with the other two Devils rejects. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for at least the, 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 the toy box part of the news. Yeah. So Casey, I've got a question for you then. Yeah. What have you been doobie doing? What have I been doobie doing? Oh my <laughs> gosh, Sam, are you ready to get into this? I'm ready to get into this. The first one on your list. All right, the first one on my list, the one I saved from last episode, I teased it. Finally watched. Kayla spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, she did. That was funny. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, um, we watched this together. This is Jennifer's body. The, one of the greatest teen horrors of all time. One of the two stars too on Letterbox. The one of the one of the few horror movies where I agree. I, I agree with the sentiments of the time. This is. I didn't like this movie. Uh, I. Uh, 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 I think if I would have, I would have just said it last episode, but the fact I, I'm saving it here for Sam because uh, I think you saw my two-star review for, for Jennifer's body. Um, yeah, I... Okay. We can do a whole episode on this at some point. I'm fine with that because I know you would want to get into it deeper than this. The dialogue in this movie, I was just not vibing with. The, the yeah, Diablo Cody... I don't even know how to describe it because I can't think of any other screenwriter. That it's not like realistic this. dialogue. No, no. I, like, but it's a wavelength and I'm on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to be on it. Um, especially as someone who was in high school, when this movie takes place, I felt that was the biggest part that took me out of like, man, I don't know anyone that talked like this. Who is talking like this? This sounds like a screenwriter talking in these movies. After Jennifer's body. <laughs> After this movie, yeah. Uh, the Okay, so for me, the best part of this movie is when the movie is the end of the movie. The rev the, the, the almost revenge story that yeah. is, is set up at the end of the movie. It plays out over the end credits. Yeah, and I'm like, that's yeah. your movie. Not what we went through because uh, it would have been a lot cooler to see Jennifer go after the guys that performed this satanic ritual on her. Um, that would, I think that's a more interesting part of this story and maybe teaming up with the, Oh, what's the, the other, with the other gal's name. Yeah. Um, who compared to everybody else in this high school does not look like a high schooler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite thing is that she's like, it's Amanda Seyfried who's yeah. like already, I mean, when she made this, she had to be close to 30. Yeah. Like had to be, had to be at least like mid to late twenties. This is five or six years after, no, even yeah, longer than after, that, mean, after girls. mean girls. It was five years. Yeah. Cause mean girls was 2004. This was 2009. Okay. So, yeah. So the credibility of her playing a high schooler is already stretched a little bit, which is nothing new for horror movies. No. But then you put her next to Johnny Simmons, who looks like perpetually 12 in everything. He's got a baby face. Like, mm -hmm. I 
used to have. I don't think I have a baby face anymore. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's really funny. I agree with that. I I don't disagree with anything. You said. It's not a perfect movie. I just I every imperfection just adds to it for me. I love it. Um, and I have since I literally like sped to the theater opening night off of a like band concert or something and i was the only one in my friend group that saw it that night that liked it and i have for years maintained that i love this movie um Man, but it's not I, for everybody yeah and yeah this wasn't for me i wasn't vibing with it i was i was ready for i, I took out all the, the things i had heard before especially when i was in high school about this movie went in with mm -hmm. fresh eyes yeah i was not vibing with it um i have still yet to see a movie where megan fox proves to me she's an actual actress because she is wonderful in this awful in this movie she is awful in this movie this is like this is like when we had our eternals conversation when we did backlot and you were like angelina jolie was terrible i'm like she's are you kidding terrible me she's the movie. best part of that movie awful. <laughs> there is so much lack of charisma in megan fox in this movie I, I don't disagree. I don't buy anything she is doing in this. It is she is pretending to act, and it took me out of the movie every time your lead character Jennifer from Jennifer's Body shows up. Was not for me. Uh, yeah, I don't like this movie. I gave it a shot. Just didn't didn't work. Didn't hey, work for me. you gave it a shot. You finally watched it. I've been bugging you for years, pretty much since I've known you. <laughs> it's true. You got me. Um, I'm gonna fly through my other doobie doings um yeah just a we've quick got couple better things. things to get to right we do um i'll jump to the disney one that i was mentioning i watched the watcher in the woods uh which again you talk about like 70s 80s dark disney um finally checked this one out is it, it reminds me of a like feature length version of an episode of are you afraid of the dark because it mm. is it, it's a the basic story is about these now adults who as a kid try to perform this ritual on one of their friends and now that friend is like a ghost and is convincing mm -hmm. this teenage girl and her younger sister to help her and, you know, kind of bring her back to life. And so the two sisters have to go get the, the now 30 years later friends back together to perform this ritual again. So I'm like, that sounds straight up. Like, and are you afraid of the dark type of episode? Definitely darker than most Disney movies. Um, pretty pretty low stakes and uh it, it it has a lot of fun scenes it reminds me more of a 90s movie because there's even like a dirt bike race in it I'm like man that's such a really? 90s that's such a 90s thing to have uh what year was this made late 70s early 80s really yeah i've heard of this 1980 really yeah, 19, so 1980 okay out. yeah I mean, highly recommend, um, Sam. I'll I'll bring you the the DVD. Um, it's not on Disney Disney Plus because I was about to say, yeah. Do you have you ever seen uh, something Wicked This Way comes? That's the other one I have not seen. Okay. Also we'll not on do, Disney. We'll Plus. have to do a we'll have to do a swap because I have that one on DVD. So we'll we'll trade Dark Disney. Maybe that can be an episode. Dark Disney. <laughs> um, I also watched. Uh, for the first time, Wes Craven's Vampire in Brooklyn, starring mm. Eddie Murphy. Uh, man, I love Wes Craven. I love Eddie Murphy. This movie just doesn't 
doesn't jive well together. Um, Eddie Murphy is playing. I mean, it plays on the stereotype of, of Dracula and that story and Dracula trying to find a love interest. But the entire time Dracula, it's not Dracula, but the ver- his vampire that Eddie Murphy is playing is like meant to be sinister and you're not supposed to root for the guy. But it's, but it's Eddie, Eddie Murphy. But it's Eddie Murphy. And it's like, <laughs> I don't want to root against you, especially against other people that are less charismatic and not as entertaining as you are. I want to root for you. Mm. But the movie doesn't want you to. It's a very, very weird thing. The biggest thing I took away was, man, I wish this was like, I wish Christopher Lee was the vampire and Eddie Murphy was playing, because he plays a couple, he plays two characters in this movie. Typical oh, okay. Eddie Murphy. Um, yeah. But I wish he was playing the, there is a Renfield type character, the best part of this movie. I wish Eddie played that instead, because he's very much playing an Eddie Murphy type of character. He's almost like Beverly Hills Cop okay. type of type of character, but Renfield. I wish Eddie was playing that. And then there's the the love interest of, the, of Angela Bassett in this movie. And I wish Ooh. he just played him instead. I, I, that, that was my biggest takeaway because I don't want to root against Eddie. It would have been more subvertive if the vampire was just an old white dude, like a Christopher Lee or something like that. Um, this movie would have played a lot better, but it's all right. It's not as bad as people say it is. People are like, oh my God, it's the worst Eddie Murphy movie. It's the worst Wes Craven movie. No, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm excited to check this out. I've actually wanted to check this out for, for a while now. Um, it's one of my blind spots. So I know that's not a, exactly a glowing recommendation of it, but no, I'm pretty uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for my it. My recommendation <laughs> is not that bad. It's not good. <laughs> um, I For the first time, I watched House on Haunted Hill from 1999, uh, the remake of the William Castle Vincent Price public domain classic house on haunted hill uh this movie Watch rules i had i had so much fun with this movie it is about an uh, amusement park owner who uh i believe he like inherits or buys or is trying to buy this house the house on haunted hill and it used to be like an uh an insane asylum and it's the same plot as the i mean the original movie group of people come are you know bribed to to win a, a million dollars to spend a night in this house. That's the plot of the movie. And some crazy 90 shenanigans happens. Um, this is better. I compare it to 13 Ghosts because they're both Dark Castle movies came around around the same time. Both mm-hmm. about spooky houses that crazy things happen in with a very 90s cast. This is a better version of that. I had a, had a ton of fun with this movie. The final act is a little too like... Hey, look at these cool things we can do with CGI. Mm, and then it's gotcha. like, yeah, you're not quite there yet, 1999. You're almost there. Um, but it's a ton of fun. I highly recommend this movie. I had a blast with it. Okay. So I love the I love the William Castle one. And yep. I I typically love the the Dark Castle remakes. I've avoided this one because I actually you're the first person I've ever heard have good things to say about this one. Um, and I love the original so much. I just figured I'd never get around to this. But your recommendation, I know, because you you kind of texted Blake and I about this one too, and uh, it's got me kind of it's piqued my interest a little bit more, um, just because I do like the Dark Castle stuff from that era. 
and it's a perfect yeah. Friday night horror movie. Okay, I'll try and throw it on sometime with uh, with Maria because she might like it too. Mm-hmm. I think it's my favorite of the Dark Castle movies. I mean, I I don't love House of Wax or Thirteen Ghosts. I have fun with both, but I think this is much better than both of those. I don't love Thirteen Ghosts, but I have fun with. It. I love House of Wax. Yeah, I think that is. I think that's one of the best slashers of that era. But last one I have here. Well, we can save till till you get to it. No, we can just use this as a crossover. Well, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I was going to say, we talked about Toxie before. He's back. He's back. So, Casey, you and I, we, uh, we've been talking. We've been talking about this show a little bit. Um, but it's on Screenbox, which is, a, I, I, you know, this is going to sound like me shilling for him. Uh, this isn't a paid advertisement. This is just me telling all of you. You Unless can get a to. subscription. Yeah, if you want to, Screenbox, we'd be glad to plug your show for actual money. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Screenbox is super cheap. You can get a subscription for like 27 bucks for the whole year. Yeah. And it has Toxic Crusaders on it, which makes it instantly already worth it. <laughs> this is such a great show. Yeah, you get you get screen box to 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 watch the Outwaters, but you stay for Toxic Crusaders. Yeah. Uh, that was immediate. That was the second thing I watched on this. I, I I got it to watch the Outwaters, and then immediately was like, "Oh my god, Toxic Crusaders is on here! I've never seen this. I've always wanted to." Um, I've only watched like the first like three episodes. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's only I think there's only like eleven or twelve episodes. It's only one season and it got canned yeah. um it's pretty short-lived but i i haven't i i didn't burn through it because i saw that there weren't very many yeah and i didn't want to like i i want to save a little bit so i've only been watching them like one at a time but yeah, yeah. and this is it's so funny because I, I know you haven't seen the toxic avengers movies no, um they are the the furthest from what you would expect a children's animated series with a toy line to be uh, even more so than Rambo and RoboCop that also yep. got animated series and toys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first toxic Avenger has a, like a kid, an actual kid get run over and like mutilated and continued to get run over by the, oh, the bad guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's make a kid show out of that. Uh, but this is like, I mean, this is some educational level type of '80s, early '90s, yeah. uh, kids animated series. Um, I the character designs are super cool. The storylines yep. are pretty basic. It's it's set in trauma, but it calls with, them out for being basic, which yeah. is really funny. Like it's making fun of itself the entire way through. And it's it's got yeah, like you said, it's almost like an after school special at yeah. times where it's like preaching about pollution mm-hmm. and I just kinda love it. It's it's cheesy as all hell, but it's it's so much fun. It's given yeah. me some much needed laughs over the last few weeks. Yeah. I was going to say, if I was a kid and had watched this show, I would have been all, even more so, I would have been all over those toys because I'm like, oh, yeah. Man, these look so, so, so cool. They would have been fighting with my Ninja Turtles. And, yep. Yeah. They, they would have gone perfectly with that. Um, and that's why, as a kid, I'm like, I wonder if I had any Toxic Crusaders toys. 
from like garage sales and stuff yeah, that you just um, picked up or something that, that I just thought I was like a Ninja Turtles bad guy or something. Cause the, the nose one, I can't remember his name, but he gave me some serious deja vu. And I'm Ch like, I swear junk, to God. Junkyard? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I swear to God. I was like, okay, I think I might've picked that guy up in a garage sale one time thinking he was a turtle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, and they're, there are just moments of deja vu with this show too, where it's like, I know I didn't watch it as a kid, but like, I definitely, yes. Yeah. yeah I, I, I felt the same. He's my favorite character on the, on Crusaders. And I'm like, man, there's something about you that feels familiar. The two headed one instantly was like familiar to me. I'm like, there's some kind of cultural osmosis here. Like mm -hmm. somehow I knew about this show as a kid. Um, like, but yeah, it, it's just, it's crazy. It's so much fun. And it's definitely from a bygone era. We don't get cartoons like this anymore. I really wish we did because they're, I mean, they're cheap. The animation is pretty bad at times, mm -hmm. but it's so much fun. It's so much fun. This I put alongside, I think Tales from the Crypt Keeper is a better show. Yes. But I would put I both agree. alongside of like, man, I, I could just fall asleep to this or wake up yeah. and my my cereal watching an episode of this type of show yep 100 tales from the crypt keeper is another one i throw on quite a bit mm -hmm. so sam yes what else have you been doobie doing i see a quite what a long list on yours yes why did my docs close out on me there we go um yeah so another speaking of Screenbox, the first thing i watched on Screenbox, i got Screenbox for the outwaters i still haven't watched it yet I want that movie to be an experience and I just not have not had the time to like fully just like commit. Um, even though I've watched a lot of these, a lot of these I've watched in chunks, but I watched the 93 body snatchers on screen box. And it was because our buddy Blake on our nineties horror countdown recommended it. I didn't even really know this movie existed. I love the 56 version still have not seen the 78 probably need to remedy that. Um, I love the 56 version went into this expecting to like it and actually walked out of it kind of loving it. I was, I was really impressed with this one. Um, it's, it's set in a military, like a military camp mm -hmm. with this teenage girl and her little brother and her dad, who's like a scientist who's been assigned to go check out this toxic, this like toxic substance that seems to be appearing um, with, you know, new stepmom and everything. And the kid starts instantly, like the little kid starts instantly noticing things are weird. Like he goes to school and all these kids are drawing the same picture and like, and you know, there's all this stuff they get, they get you when you sleep is a line that keeps getting uttered. And where this movie goes is like extremely dark and the practical effects are really goopy and gross there are like tendrils that come out of these pods and like go into people to like essentially drain them and replicate and it like the body horror in this is nasty and gross and it, it's it's a feel bad movie and I love, like, for some reason, it just hit all the right notes. Like, some of my most comfort, like, some of my comfort movies are movies where just, like, there's no hope at the end. Like, everybody's just 
everybody's gonna die and like you know reanimator the thing like all these movies where it's just like they don't necessarily have a good ending but i throw them on anytime because they just they hit that note and that's what body snatchers was for me i was actually really glad uh retroactively that it was on our 90s horror list because it might have been on my short list had i watched it before that it's it's genuinely a very well done body horror paranoia type of movie so thanks for the recommendation blake it was dope shout out blake Ginnathan. <laughs> um i went back and i watched the megan unrated cut megan i have nothing new to say that i didn't already say on our episode the oh, unrated cut had a little bit more blood and i was it was gonna ask what's the, what, what's the difference um the blood that they edited out they edited it back in like you see a little bit more of it when well the biggest thing is like when megan stabs the ceo with the the like whatever all the blood like you know how that's bloodless in the movie there's like massive blood spatter yeah. in that elevator like the whole guy the guy's face gets covered and all that like and then there's a lot more just fucks in the dialogue and that's about it it's the exact same movie i think the runtime is exactly the same like most of it hasn't changed one bit you just see it's just microseconds of oh they just didn't cut away as quick you know what i mean yeah so Hmm. honestly it didn't change my opinion on the movie much it's fun it's got moments ultimately it's just kind of there for me uh but yeah I watched the unrated version. I liked it. It was fine. Uh, one that I loved. I just watched this. Orca the Killer Whale from 1977. Uh, this has been mostly written off as a Jaws ripoff. Now I'd like to refute that. Orca the Killer Whale is not a Jaws ripoff in any way, shape, or form. It is, however, a Death Wish ripoff in every way except for the fact that it is about a whale and not Charles Bronson. Um, the opening half hour of this is like Bambi losing his mom on roids. And for the whole rest of the movie, you are not on the human side. You are on the orca side the entire way through. And it comes to a very satisfying conclusion that I loved. Um, I don't think this movie is as good as Jaws. But I'd put it on the same level as Jaws in terms of enjoyment for me. Like in, in all honesty, I genuinely, I loved Orca. Um, the editing isn't as good. It's not as tension filled. Uh, the characters are definitely not as good, but like this whale takes out a house. It, like pulls a Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon 2. And that's not even the third act. Like this movie is insane. <laughs> if you want to see an Orca like fucking up a bunch of people orca the killer whale from 1977 is phenomenal uh highly recommend it highly recommend it um then in prep for scream six i watched a couple screen movies i rewatched scream 22 i really like that one it's grown on me over the last year quite a bit um and i think i actually will get into it but i think i actually like scream five more after having seen Scream 6. I think that movie kind of retroactively made yeah. this one a little bit better for me. Um, and then I rewatched Scream 3, um, which is, I think, my least favorite of the series, but I really do kind of 
love it. Um, at least the first two acts. I don't. I think the third act is the weakest of all of the movies. Um, I don't like the ghost face reveal. I think it's very dumb. Um, I don't buy it. It is very dumb. Um, and I just. I think it's a little bland at the same time. Like I just. But that being said, I love how Scooby Doo Scream Three is. <laughs> like it feels very much like Scooby Doo meets Ghostface. Yeah. Um, it just needs a talking dog somewhere in there. Uh, and it'd be a five-star movie, but yeah. So that's screen. Uh, and then one that I may or may not have watched. Terminate myself. There's a certain Scooby-Doo movie that um, may or may not have leaked online that I may or may not have watched. That certain Scooby-Doo movie is hypothetically awesome. Um, it's. Scooby Doo and Crypto Two, and it's wonderful. Um, if I had seen it, I'm sure it'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there might be a way for someone to watch it if they needed to. You didn't but... letterbox log it. It doesn't count. You didn't watch it. No, no, I didn't letterbox log <laughs> it, so it doesn't count. It doesn't count. So, but yes. Um, By the Scooby-Doo laws of cinema, too. if it's not letterbox, <laughs> you did not yeah. watch it exactly exactly there's no there's no evidence so yep so yeah um scooby-doo and crypto 2 is hypothetically a very good movie that warner brothers probably should have just released um (laughs) but yeah so that's that's what i've been oh yeah and hold on yeah we got we got stuff to talk about we've got stuff we've got stuff this is stuff that i forgot um so i've been rearranging all the stuff back there trying to get my place looking decent so i can have like a cool studio in the background like you you know um but i recently was like oh yeah i got these for christmas i got the original black christmas score on vinyl i'm very excited about this it's yeah it's a blood and garland variant so it's like a color like it's a red and green colored vinyl which is super cool that's cool and from Waxwork, also, I got... I know you don't That's care less for this cool, movie. cool, but the artwork is cool. The artwork is so <laughs> cool, isn't it? I mean, like, the score of this movie, Krampus, is so good. Like, I just... I don't know. I I was pretty I was pretty happy with both of those. Thanks, Mom and Dad. They're, they always get me the cool the cool horror vinyls. I've got a couple of uh, Flaniverse scores from them on vinyl, too. And, yeah, yeah. They they know they know my they know my vinyl collection is folk music and horror scores. <laughs> you 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 will have some VHS tapes to talk about next time. Yes, I'm excited. I'm very excited to talk about those. Um, I did get a few things uh, alongside your the tapes I, I got for you. I picked up this really cool tri- yes. trick or trick or treat cassette. I don't have any way to play this, but I'm like. That's too cool. You never see any uh, trick or treat merch out there. Come over so to my place, buddy. I got a cassette player. All right, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> to jam to some uh, some Sammy Kerr in this. Yeah. Um, and then I also Rainbow Comics in Sioux Falls got me again. Did the, they? Uh, shout out to to John Runyon for bribing me to go pick up more fangos, but I picked up. <laughs> Three more fangs. Oh, a pumpkin dude, head. That too. pumpkin head one is awesome. Uh, John Carpenter's Vampires. 
Yes. Super cool. Includes Halloween H2O, one of the best uh, horror films of the 1990s. I agree to disagree. Uh, this is the coolest one. I don't love the cover, but it's Fangoria number three with Christopher Whoa. Lee on the cover. Oh, and dude. The, the first interview with David Cronenberg for Fangoria. So, no that's yeah, awesome. That is super cool. That is rad. Oh, my God. So slowly, slowly chopping away at the the fangos from 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 the years gone by. Hell yeah, that's awesome, dude. All right, is that it? Is that that's it. it. For, that's for, that's for, what we've been doobie doing. What we've been doobie doing. Well, then let's get to our main topic. Like we said, we're gonna kick things off with uh, Jason takes Manhattan in this New York City double feature. Uh, and then we will talk about Scream 6 after. So for, for those of you that don't want spoilers on anything for Scream 6, you'll you'll be able to hear our discussion on uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. Um, Sam, I'm, I'm getting better at this. I'm taking notes. I wrote down a plot synopsis and everything. I need to, I need to do better and take notes, too. I do I sometimes, need, and then I, I don't. I need to because, because I forget everything unless I write it down to, to, to <laughs> remind myself to talk about it. So the plot of Jason Takes Manhattan, Friday the 13th, Part 8. Uh, this t- movie takes place uh, one year after Jason fought Carrie and her zombie dad, the, hos- the hockey mask <laughs> killer, is electrocuted underwater and brought back to life to kill horny teenagers on a boat headed for the Big Apple. That is 1989's Jason Takes Manhattan. Yes. So yes. let's 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 jump let's, into this. Go ahead. Should we start with like just initial what we think? Yeah. Okay. So for a long time, I considered this one one of my favorites of the Friday the 13th series. Okay. Um, it was like it was like maybe top five for me. On my recent rewatch in the last year, where I just kind of binged the entire series with Maria, I actually watched this one, I think, three times over the last like 12 months. Um, it's gone down in my ranking by quite a bit. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I still really dig this one. Um, I think it's the most 80s out of all of them. The mm. color palette, the, uh, the music cues. And I actually think the music cues are a detriment to it because they don't have Harry Manfredini doing the score on this one, Um, which it's, it's missed a little bit. Um, But no, I think this one, I think this one has a a place in my heart as just being kind of like an especially cheesy one um, with a particularly unlikable, like this is the quintessential this is the bridge between like the slasher boom of the eighties and the dreck we were getting in the early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know. It has a special place in my heart for that. I feel like I know you like this one quite a bit less than I do though. Uh, <laughs> you said, yeah, you said initial thoughts, right? away. I'm going to start with my initial thought that I think might be a hot take. I haven't looked at my rankings in a while, but uh, the first thing I asked myself after watching Jason takes Manhattan is, is this the worst Friday the 13th movie? What? And I asked myself, I don't know yet. I need to, Jason goes to hell is objectively worse than this, but that cold open of Jason goes to hell. 
is like one of the best things in the whole series. Yeah, and I like all the goofy Easter eggs to Evil Dead and yeah. and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff. But I don't know. I'm gonna have to rewatch that one again because um, it is it's those two for sure that I'm I'm fighting with as as the bottom two. Um, yeah. So I okay. So for the longest time, I just gave I, I kind of I gave this movie a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. And it's it's become a running joke, I think, that Casey hates Jason Takes Manhattan. I would play it up. Now I'm not thinking it's a joke because I don't like this movie. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not good. For the longest time, I just made fun of it because not Jason Takes Manhattan in the title. He doesn't really take Manhattan. He takes forever to get to Manhattan. Um, yeah. And then we'll he talk- just kind of stands around in Times Square. <laughs> I have timestamps. Okay, we're gonna get to this when we get to the third act. I have timestamps. That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, (laughs) So that was my biggest gripe. But now rewatching it, I'm like, this just isn't very good. It is super uninteresting with its teenage characters. This is the worst final girl of the series. Yeah, I would. I would. I would agree with that. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's a landslide for worst final girl um and just a, i don't think it has a whole lot of fun and doesn't make a whole lot of sense i understand it's a friday the 13th movie don't always have to make sense jason literally teleports in this movie there's yeah. no other way to say it he teleports yeah yeah i don't i don't know i i, I it kind of throws out a lot of the logic of the previous movies kane is good um Kane's gonna... awesome in this one. <laughs> yeah, and the, and again, part of my in, lack of enjoyment in the first half of this movie is because of the MPAA and cutting out a lot of the gore of this movie, and it really needed that because why else do I want to see these characters we introduced two scenes before get killed off? Am I supposed to care that they died or have fun they died in a gruesome yeah. way. This movie doesn't give us a whole lot of that. I think there's a couple standouts, but most of them are pretty much like scream, yeah. cut to the next scene. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cold open especially is like the best example of that. Yeah. And there, so the cold open, so the movie starts with New York. We do start in New York. Okay. I'll give Yeah, that. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Jason and anyone else actually in this movie are nowhere near it, but they're in New York. Um, yeah, they just do like a montage of New York life over things, the credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All this B-roll that they got while shooting in yeah. New York in Times Square for two days. Um, but it opens with this couple and they're talking about, they're kind of updating us as the audience. Jason Voorhees, what's the what's story? Drowned in a lake as a kid, wore a hockey mask, killed a bunch of teenagers. First his mom did it, now he's avenging her. Um Pauly Shore, buff Pauly Shore at the beginning of this movie. He, <laughs> he he brings in Jason's hockey mask with his girlfriend. That's how he gets it. Even though, if I'm not mistaken, Jason already has a hockey mask on when he's in the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Doesn't he? So it's Yeah, I thought so. So it's weird that he takes it. Yeah. Again, it's weird he, that he takes it. Maybe <laughs> he just wanted a new one because it's been all like chipped yeah. up and stuff, you know? He's like, he's like oh, this one's kind of old. I should get a new one. This one's soggy like the rest of my body. I'm going to get rid <laughs> yeah. of it. This one fused. It's got mold on it from my face. <laughs> I, 
I love, okay, so the beginning. We get it introduced to Jason pretty much right away. He gets electrocuted back to life for the second time the in second the series. Um, he's Frankenstein. He's he the is. Frankenstein of the big slashers. I love that for him. Uh, I And I think one reason fans love Kane hotter as Jason, and I also do love him as as Jason Voorhees, he gives the most life to the character. He has the oh, most yeah. personality, even though in this movie you don't really see his face until the end of the movie. But he has, he just, I don't know, his presence adds yeah. so much to, to, the, to the character of Jason. And the look. This is a great look for Jason. He is wet the entire time. He is always dripping water, no matter how long he's been out of the water. He is always soaking wet, and it's awesome. He's, like, covered in mold and moss. And it's like they turned a power washer on him before they shot like every single scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's intense. He's super intense in this movie. Um, yeah, the look of Jason is incredible. I think it's one of the best of the series. That is probably the biggest thing I'll give this movie is Jason looks incredible. Yep. Yep. He uh I think I think this one is is, is this one for me is a little bit of a downgrade, the Jason, just because New Blood is so good. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one where you can see like his his bones coming out of his back and like ah, and there's the chain around his neck still from the end of six. Like I think New Blood is my favorite Jason design. And this coming off of it, I don't think it's quite as cool, but I do like the look. Mm-hmm. I like that he's wet all the time. Um, I think seeing this wet gross dude in a hockey mask in new york is actually kind of terrifying like some of the like quick zooms in on him when they're like when that ridiculously long chase sequence is happening in yeah. the end. <laughs> but like some of those are actually really good so okay we get the opening kill there's nothing there's nothing great about those um again we don't get to see any of it uh it's pretty pretty lame and these are characters that we again have met for this scene just to be killed off we immediately move to is it the i assume this is a college group of kids or high school are they high school is what i thought i thought high school okay make some scenes later even weirder it is it's it's yeah it's kind of a messed up movie can we the opening couple though yeah the woman when she dies my favorite thing about that is she is just sitting and screaming while jason slowly walks up to her she's got an exit right next to her mm-hmm. and she is literally just stand, like cowering in a corner screaming and she's doing that for such a long time it reminds me of the gag at the beginning of paranorman where he's watching the movie where the zombie's slowly approaching and the actress is screaming and the boom mic comes down she like knocks it out like puts it back pushes it back out of the frame and she runs out of breath and she like looks directly at the camera and like someone clearly tells her to keep going so she sighs and she turns back around and starts screaming again and that's the opening of jason takes me in a nutshell (laughs) it's so funny the whole time i'm like oh my god i guarantee you that scene was like maybe not by that particular scene but like that's just a perfect example of the type of movie that was parody <laughs> and i love it i love it so we get these high schoolers um 
who are on this boat. They're taking a boat, a class trip to Manhattan. Um, but it's not a nice boat. <laughs> no. Okay. So th- it's that, like a what, shipping container. Yeah, and that's what confused me. Is like, is this supposed to be like a nice little cruise ship? If so, I think it's, su- I think it's supposed to be. I don't think they could get one with the budget. Why is there three people working on it? Because <laughs> they go to a scene and there's a there's a kitchen scene. I'm like, oh my god, this is a massive kitchen. Who is working this? Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's probably what eight kids and the two, two the 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 teacher and the I don't know who. I don't even know the relationships of these people. It's very vague. Who is the older yeah. lady? She's not real. She's is she another teacher? She's not related to our final girl. No. She must be like another teacher, I guess. I genuinely, I don't know. I don't think the movie bothers explaining these no. things. It's just like, here's a here's your group of characters. Let just watch this and get like. There's there's all this talk with the like principal of the school and his niece and how she's troubled or whatever, and and like she's afraid of the water and that's why he didn't want her. I'm like, it doesn't seem to factor into the movie like her at parent, all. Though. Her parents died in a car accident, and it's mentioned in one scene and never brought up again. Later, we get a flashback with the 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 principal and his niece as a little girl, and he throws her in the water. Like, yeah. <laughs> learn how to swim. It's like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, and it makes no sense. No. Like, they don't bring it in for any particular reason, except a- for like she's like, oh. You're horrible, and especially, she runs off to be alone. <laughs> especially where this flashback comes in. I know we're jumping towards the end, but oh my god, it's during a car. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Scratch that. Reverse it. We'll get to that because it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so we have all these kids. There's the typical. I mean, it's stereotype kids. There's the girl who plays the guitar. There's the nerdy kid with the camera. There's the the boxing jock and all his yeah. jock friends there's our final girl there's the uh the promiscuous bitch <laughs> yeah um said everyone and then the 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 captain of the boat's son who's our final yeah. guy mr bland um captain bland if you will uh the blonde in this is very confusing because she's like blackmailing the teacher professor principal guy for some reason, so because it's very confusing. Fail her if she doesn't turn in her biology. Project. <laughs> so, and, then, and then her biology project is her like <laughs> all of her clothes, and she's got like hearts and like stomach and all this stuff written. Over. I'm like, that's anatomy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's what your biology project is supposed to be. So he, so the. The principal professor teacher guy, um, he catches her in the in the in the, the somewhere in the ship with some cocaine with some drugs, um, yeah. and is like, "You, I, I'm coming to your room in an hour, and you better have your project done." And it's like, why does she have to present her project on this boat trip? <laughs> Shouldn't she have done that before you left, so she can go on this boat trip? This, this chaperone is like. Who's like, I'm still going to do work, even though I'm like, I, I don't know. This movie's so, I don't think these people who wrote it ever went to school. No. Or on a boat. 
or to New York for that matter. Or saw a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't no, make I, any sense. And she's, she blackmails him with the nerdy the nerdy kid with the camera who then tries to make a move on her and she's just like i don't even know how she dismisses him but she's just she just like closes the door on him essentially yeah one of my favorite parts with her is her death scene uh or she's taking a shower and jason comes in and he like throws her against the mirror and it breaks a little and he comes in and just punches the mirror it's so funny (laughs) Like she's on the ground already hurt. He just punches the mirror to get some more glass from it. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's ridiculous. Um the guitar death. The guitar death would be a lot more awesome if the MPAA hadn't forced a cut. Okay, so I remember when I first watched this, the guitar scenes in the I don't know, boiler room area of this mm-hmm. place. Um, yeah, she's like practicing in the boiler room. <laughs> yeah. It's and really she's like, this would be a really cool music video. I'm like, yeah, it would. Where is it? Um, but she she dies off screen, right? Unless I miss something yeah. completely. And yeah, then he I uses think they the find guitar her body later yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't I just remember him using the guitar. Well, he does. Her. There's like With that her, split second. Yeah, yeah. It just, it doesn't, well, the way it's shot is really weird because she sees him coming down the stairs and it's one of those things where he's like teleporting again. Mm-hmm. She like runs away from the stairs and then all of a sudden he's down at the other end of like the, the catwalk or whatever. And you just have that one shot of Kane like shoving the guitar towards the screen and it like breaks the camera. Like the camera lens cracks and it, I don't know if it's an effect or if he actually broke the camera. But then there's like blood spatter over it too. Mm. So it's a really weird scene because it's like there's there's literally like a camera lens crack in the in the in the side, and it's like if that was intentional, like that's a really dumb way to show someone dying by guitar. Yeah, and so fast <laughs> so, too. Know. Yeah, it is. It's it's cut away very quickly, and it feels like one of those things where it's like, okay, I feel like the. I feel like that's a case of like the MPAA saying like, no, you can't show a guitar going through a girl or something. (laughs) So my least favorite kill and the one that just baffled me the most on the boat is the disco scene. Oh, see, I love that. I, I hate it because it doesn't make any lick of sense. No, it doesn't, but it's a cool scene. (laughs) She runs into like the, the dance hall of this boat again, this boat, seems a lot bigger than it actually should be um who's playing this music who put the record on who's putting on all these lights there's no dj in there either um but there's a disco ball going off and jason like bursts through the doors cool looking shot yep and all of a sudden he teleports and he keeps teleporting to where she's looking and she's like spinning in a circle yeah and it seems like there's only one way in or out of this room so and she can't keep like, her eyes on Jason, and when he finally catches her, he just strangles her. And I'm like, "There's a cool kill right there. There's a disco ball. Just put her head into it, right?" So that scene reminds me of something out of like an Elm Street movie, where they were yeah. almost going for like a dream sequence. And I don't necessarily think it works in context of the movie. I just think it's kind of a cool scene visually, you know. 
but you're right. It doesn't make sense for Jason to be that way. It's... I think there's a cooler <laughs> scene in there. Yeah, there's a lot of Elm Street yeah. vibes in this movie for some reason. Yeah, yeah, it, there are, and it's because this is it's Jason goes to hell that teases Freddy versus Jason. So it feels like I don't know. It feels weird. It feels weird to have a, such a Freddy vibe in this one. Mm-hmm. But it does. And I think that's honestly what adds to maybe the 80s aesthetic, especially like the late 80s aesthetic, because at that time, Elm Street had kind of become the slasher franchise. You know what I mean? Like Friday and Halloween had kind of run their course by that point. So maybe they were just trying to get some of that sweet like Elm Street money (laughs) by copying the homework <laughs> yeah but even by this point freddy was on the the downward that's true because dream warriors was like 87 right 80 80 87 86 somewhere in there yeah yeah and then after that the sequels really kind of started to downturn a little bit yeah. so yeah i get that i still think freddy at that point was like a bigger name though than jason or michael yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, the, yeah, the MTV era of horror movies, of slasher movies, yeah. especially. Uh, so Jason rigs the boat to sink because he's smart. Yeah. Uh, so the boat. Ends I up, always forget the boat sinks. The boat sinks. Like... So does the movie. Um, <laughs> it all our, does. So our survivors from the boat. I don't. The kills aren't even that cool on the boat. I don't know. I don't know about you. Do you have any other kills on the boat that you think are... I mean, some guy gets lit on fire. Cool. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything. (laughs) I like this. The thing is, though, I still like the stuff on the boat more than the stuff when they get to New York. Like, I actually think the boat stuff is a more interesting movie than when they get to New York. I like... Eh. Yeah, I don't the know. The boxing scene know. on the roof is fun. I like that. I think the final chase is drawn out and not very tension worthy. Um, whereas I think at least with the boat, there are some like baffling choices that at least make it a little bit like, I don't know, but I guess the third act has plenty of those too when you get baby Jason coming up from the water. <laughs> yeah, okay. So let's touch on some of that. that yeah that stuff um because we're gonna get to baby j more baby jason here so our survivors off the boat professor man teacher lady final girl final boy boxer dog and dog yeah (laughs) so those are the people that get off the boat um as soon as we land in new york city um vancouver canada (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but some 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 back alleys of Vancouver. Um and we spent a whole <laughs> lot of time there, okay? Uh I I took a let's see. 32 so 32 minutes from boat their boat landing, their rowboat till the end of the credits. So they spend 32 mo- minutes in New York okay. City as a setting, okay. okay? Of this movie. Um that's the timestamp I wrote down. But once we get there, immediately they run into these New York City thugs who (laughs) rob them and then take Final Girl. Everybody else is like, all right, well, guess she's gone. (laughs) 
find the cops. Immediately when they take her, they take her to this gross couch in one of these back alleys, load her up with a bunch of drugs, but that's never paid off because she's fine the rest of the movie. It's so it's like they have these ideas and then they never really follow through on them. It's the it's the Jason in Times Square thing. It's like, oh my god, Jason's in Times Square, think of the carnage, and then nothing really happens. Yeah. It's oh my god, you know, like Jason on a boat, like what's that gonna be like? And then I mean nothing really happens that's specific to a boat, no. you know? So and- so she gets drugged. Jason, Jason is the one, got the, the one that ends up saving her, which I find hilarious. Like her friends don't even come back for her. It's Jason. <laughs> and immediately as she runs away from him, her boyfriend catches up uh, and they steal this car. And they drive this car with the professor and teacher lady. So professor, teacher lady, and boyfriend. No, teacher lady stays in the car. She blows up in it for some inexplicable yeah. reason. So when she blows up, That's right, our, yeah. our, fi- our final girl has a flashback. This is when she gets the flashback to the her uncle throwing her off the boat to swim. I'm like, how does that spark that flashback? The car exploding triggers her flash. And then she... Her flashback to yeah. seeing baby Jason in the water. Which she's been already seeing visions of him throughout this entire movie of little boy Jason. And is it just me or did they hire like a different kid to play baby Jason in like different scenes? Yes, he doesn't I have swear his makeup to God. on some of the scenes either. Yeah, because some of them he looks like just like a, a child actor with no makeup on whatsoever. And in some of them he's deformed Jason. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what's the point? Like, what are we doing here? Like, why is this inconsistent all the time? Yeah. It's weird. I, like, because for, for a while, like, I remember re-watching this for the first time in, like, years. And when the second one comes up, like, the second hallucination comes up and it's just the kid, I was like, oh, did her, like, does she have a little brother that, like, also drowned? And, like, that's where I thought they were going with it. And she's got, like, empathy for him. And that was going to play. And they don't do that either. Like, it's just, no, all of these kids were Jason. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. No, no, it doesn't make any sense all. why the flashback is triggered by <laughs> my teacher lady <laughs> blowing up in the car. Why was she the one that's like, I'm going to drive. I just got doped up by some random drug from these two guys <laughs> on the streets. I'm going to drive this car out of here. Oh, my God. It's so dumb. Uh, then we get uh, some more. So. We get more Jason teleporting. One of the worst examples is in this with the professor guy. I be- yeah. No, no, no. The cop. It's the cop. He's going after. It's the cop. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the cop like runs into this building as Jason's behind him chasing him, and all of a sudden the cop runs up to the second story and Jason throws him out the window. It's like, how did he get up there? I mean, he. He teleported, Casey. He got electrocuted <laughs> back to life, and, and now he gave he's not him teleportation powers. He's got tell, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. The girl with telekinesis beat him last time. Maybe your psychic abilities rubbed off. On him. Yeah, that's true. You might Maybe right. these screenwriters are smarter than we're giving them credit for. Maybe. 
<laughs> but then we get rooftop boxing, which I know fans love this scene. But I love it. it is, I do. It is dumb. The original idea for it, I, I would have probably vibed with a little more. I have what was some, the original idea? So there's a couple of original ideas. Like they have a, there's a different script for this movie. They wrote Jason in New York as a movie. And then Paramount's like, yeah, we're not giving you that much money. We're not doing that. Take it back. You're going to get this many days in New York. Figure it out. So then that's why it's Jason on a boat to New York City. Um, The original boxing scene, and a lot of these scenes are still used in this movie, just in different locations now. The boxing scene was supposed to take place in Madison Square Garden in a boxing ring. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That would be cool. Instead, it's on this Vancouver rooftop with what looks like New York City in the background. Um, And this guy just punching Jason in his hockey mask a bunch of times, gassing himself, and then getting his his head knocked knocked off. off. Yeah. Yeah. I still like it. (laughs) It Killer Killer Clowns did it better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little bit like if the killer clown scene was mixed with the uh, the like seven minute fist fight from They Live, because <laughs> that it goes on for way too long. Yeah. Like he's literally just punching Jason for like a good, I think it's like three minutes of him just going. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh. <laughs> yeah, and it's they don't even clear. have any score. I, no. I think it's literally just the noises he's making out of his mouth, and it's like. This feels like they just kind of ran out of ideas and needed to stretch this 90 minutes. Yeah, and it's like, guys, we already parodied James Bond. Let's at least throw a Rocky parody in here somewhere and have some sort of Rocky score or something like like it. Yeah, like a music cue? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. Instead, he just gets his head punched off with a funny... uh, They blew the whole budget on that one-time square shot, Casey. Yeah. Uh, what a what a great <laughs> shot, though. So it is a great shot. We get our last two two people left, and this is you know Jason in New York City. Um, again, you want some timestamps, Sam? Yes. Okay. So when when our two leads, I I, I started it from when they're uh, going down, uh, or they open the door to the subway and get on the subway. That's when I started my timer. Okay. And then okay. I stopped it stopped it when they're in the sewer. Okay. okay. So from that okay. point we get the the subway and then Times Square stuff and the restaurant. I counted okay. all three of those little set pieces. Do you want to okay. guess how long we spend there? I don't know, seven minutes. Five minutes. Really? That's it. From the, from the point they take that subway to the point they enter the sewer. Five minutes. It feels like so much longer than that. And I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> no. And for me, like Jason on a subway. So cool. That's what you think of when you think of this movie. He's just pushing mm-hmm. people out of the way. He's set on his targets for this. Great yeah. visual. When he just like knocks the woman. <laughs> That's so great. And that extra's performance is so yeah. like, it makes you wonder if like she had no idea. He was gonna that do could it be. She sells it really good. Uh, and then what the, the money shot of the movie, Jason in Times Square. It's yep. great. I love it. it. It sets up a movie we don't get, which kind of sucks. But 
we still the get climax the... of the movie when it should kind of be the like initiating incident. You yeah, know? that should be the end of the first act of oh my god, Jesus yeah. in Times Square, what's gonna happen next? Instead, yeah. he doesn't kill anyone in Times Square. He just walks down. It should at least have been the second act break. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of the thing that happens. Just happened. Minutes, five or ten minutes before credits roll. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't kill anyone in Times Square, which I'm like, that's kind of a wasted opportunity. He does punt yep. some punk's boombox. <laughs> yeah, that part's pretty is, funny. Which is hilarious. They all <laughs> pulled knives on him. And he yeah, lifts the mask. <laughs> hey, hey, we cool, we cool. <laughs> and then and then that's it. That's no, it. they end up they end up in 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 a in a diner in New York City, which again I'm like, man, at least do this stuff then. At least be in a diner in New York City or you know, uh a uh, you know, an off-Broadway play that Jason walks through and walks up on stage mm. on, or something. You know, some, do something with that. You don't have to be in Times Square the entire time. Um, but another fun piece of trivia in there: in that diner scene, uh, Jason fights Jason because the guy who uh, the the big dude that comes around the counter and goes up to mm -hmm. face Jason is Ken Kurtzinger. Oh, Jason and Freddy versus the next Jason. one, right? Yeah, or not the next one? Yeah, the he was the next Jason. Yeah, yeah, and Freddy versus. Yep, mm -hmm. that's cool. I didn't know that. And then we get the sewer scene. Um, Sam, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> every talk about every, dumb things in this movie. Every slasher movie should end with the slasher villain getting drowned in a sewer and reverting back to their child <laughs> because it's just like the dumbest thing <laughs> I've ever seen and I love it. It's seriously, that that ending makes me crack up so much. It's like, it's not as cool as the Jason Goes to Hell opening, which is why I just laugh at it. Whereas like the Jason goes to hell opening, I laugh at, but it's also like, that was actually kind of awesome. Yeah. You know, this one doesn't have the, that was actually kind of awesome bit to it. It kind of ends the whole thing on like a weirdly sour note where you're like, are we supposed to feel bad for Jason? Like... <laughs> Sam, didn't you know that New York City flushes toxic waste <laughs> through their sewers at midnight every night? <laughs> midnight. It apparently, it's, it, it does the opposite of mutate people who are already mutated. It reverts you back to your normal childhood yeah. self. Yeah. All I can oh think of is, is it's always sunny where Charlie goes through the sewers and has oh, to hold, hold his clothes the thunder up. Gun, the Thunder Gun episode, yeah. yeah. Uh, she gets her shoes stuck in the, yeah. <laughs> the grate. At oh, least, yeah. at least, boring final girl and final guy get out, and the dog ends up being okay. So, yeah, see the dog being there at the end—that was my favorite part. That's my favorite part of the whole movie, and it—I always forget about it too until I watch it again, and then I'm like, "Oh God, does Jason come back again?" Like I always forget that it's just the dog, and then it's just the dog, and they walk away and they roll credits, and I'm like, "Oh, I guess that's one way to end a slasher yeah. movie." <laughs> I have a few other trivia things. Uh, speaking of the dog, there was supposed to be a scene where Jason kicks the dog. 
Uh, Kane refused to do it. Thank you, Kane. Good. Um, oh, my God. Some of the things they originally had planned, like I said, the boxing in Madison Square Garden. There was supposed to be Jason on top of the Statue of Liberty. Um, they were also supposed yeah. to go to Brooklyn Bridge and the Empire State Building within this movie. So we get Times Square. Deal with it. Yeah. Uh, $5 million budget, $15 million gross, it looks like, on this movie. So one of the lowest grossing of the series. Yeah. Oh, my God. For $5 million, I'm shocked that they were even able to get in. Like, that must have been some guerrilla filmmaking. I doubt they had. I doubt any of that five million was able to go to an actual permit, right? No, they had. I mean, they definitely had to have a permit to shoot on in New York City. Yeah, but they yeah. weren't there for very long. No, they couldn't have been. Had to have been like a day or two. I think it's a yeah, a day or two. Yep. Uh, Sam, final thoughts. Jason takes Manhattan. Friday the Thirteenth, Part Eight. <laughs> So I know I pooped on this movie a lot <laughs> in this conversation, <laughs> but I do, I do genuinely kind of love yeah. it. Um, it's, it's dumb. Like it's not, it's not a good movie. Uh, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the weaker ones in the franchise, but I just, I, I mean, I've kind of said it on this cast even too. Uh, the last year when I rewatched this series, I just really kind of refound my love for for Jason and these movies and, and this series in general, and uh, I like all of them, and this is no exception. Uh, so yeah, if you like Friday the Thirteenth, this is a perfectly fine entry in the series to me. I, yeah. Like, you know, it's not the first one I'm gonna watch. It's not even the second or third or fourth, but it's one of them. So. Although I say that, and I did watch it three times in the last year. So don't listen to me. I, I must really like this movie. Yeah, uh, It's one of them. I think that's the best way to sum up this as a Friday the 13th movie. It's one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't I don't care for this movie. I would probably give it a two out of five. It's probably about where I'm where I'm sitting I think, on it. I don't even remember where I, what I gave it. I probably gave it like three and a half because I'm an idiot. <laughs> you're a crazy person um, i am i am yeah this the, the rewatch here did not help my yeah, i gave it three and a half yeah you're a crazy person um <laughs> did not did not help with my enjoyment to this i think it's the weakest of the paramount movies for sure maybe the weakest yeah. of the series i don't know yeah it, it might be honestly i think it's i i can't remember no maria's least favorite is four Four, which four is down on my ranking too. I don't get what everybody likes. Y'all are crazy. Four. I don't like four. Um, crazy. <laughs> crazy people. This is still far and away the best. Jason Lives is incredible. Jason Lives rules. All right, Sam, are you ready? All right. I'm ready. All right, this is your warning. One hour, thirty-five minutes into this for Scream Six spoilers because. There's no way to talk about this movie without talking about spoilers. So can we just say like what we what we rated in general, like just a general like I liked it, I didn't type of thing? Yeah. And then go into spoilers. Let's do it. Should we? Just to Let's give them it. a little taste. A little okay. tease. A little tease for a little when tease. they watch it. Yeah. Okay. So I loved this movie. Um, it was a pretty, it was pretty much an instant hit. I did not, 
I I was lukewarm on the on screen five. And I think I mean you were too, and I yeah. think you still kind of are on that one. Um screen five has definitely grown um on me in the last year, and especially with this one. I love Scream Six. It is a flawed movie. It's got some imperfections, but what it did really worked for me. And I really like this. I'm excited to see where they take this franchise next. And I ended up giving it four and a half uh, stars because I, yeah, I really dug this one. So, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was pretty lukewarm on Scream 5. Um, so going into this one, I was still very excited, still liked the movie. I don't think there's a bad Scream movie. And I yep. still don't think so. I think this is one of the, definitely one of the best Scream movies. Um, I don't know where it ranks yet, but like for me, f- first one is like obviously always number one, always will be. Um, but number four and number two, I think are neck and neck for that second spot. I think six is going to be right in that conversation for me. Uh, four, two, and six being like, man, which one of those is the second best of this series? I think it's, it's great. Uh, definitely recommend watching this on the biggest screen possible. It's also the last thing I'll say. It's, it's the scariest screen movie. So mm-hmm. just know that going in. It's actually one of the most tense, one of the most scary of the series. So both both recommends from us. Yeah. All cool. right. Spoilers. Okay, so now really is the spoiler. <laughs> All right. Here's the spoilers. Uh giving everybody a chance to pause because I'm going to spoil it right away. I'm the winner. Yeah, Casey won the bet. Although we both had surprisingly really good off-the-cuff guesses. (laughs) Me and Sam basically wrote Scream 6 without writing Scream 6. Uh, We both predicted the opening kill. We both predicted that Tony Ravioli was going to (laughs) be one of the killers, and we are correct five minutes into this movie. And the the final reveal was down to our picks of Kirby and uh, Detective is it Bailey. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And so, those were they were the two prime the only suspects two people at left. the end of yeah. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. We'll give ourselves yeah, yeah. a pat on the back for for predicting Scream Six. So. Uh, opening of this movie so let's get into the cold open completely is that cool yes okay the opening scene sorry i'm i i texted maria because i know she's in the other room and (laughs) she hasn't seen it yet and i don't want me to like shout out something and have it like spoil the whole thing so i just texted her i was like i was like spoilers put headphones on or something (laughs) like So the the movie opens again with a phone call, and I think it's pretty clever how this movie opens with its phone call. It's a rest. It's a phone call to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. This New York City restaurant, unlike Jason takes Manhattan, we're in New York City this entire time. Um, we are. <laughs> we are. Well, or at least at least Vancouver standing in. <laughs> yeah, they but it's a, at least the, the setting. In... The setting is New York City. Might not have been shot all in New York, but. Uh, opening kill, though. Yeah, I think this um, is what most people were predicting. We were correct. Uh, I like how this movie pretty much right away sets the tone for what we're going for here, and that this is going to have a lot of 
I'm going to use a George Lucas quote. It's like poetry. Mm, the Scream movies yeah. do have a lot of that. Uh, this one especially, this feels like a, a companion piece to Scream 2. Where Yes, uh, absolutely. Samara Weaving is a, a film professor. And there are film students throughout this movie. And it takes place at, obviously, the university with them. Our characters who were in high school now as college students. Yes. And what's interesting about the call is like it doesn't even open as a ghost face call. And he's done that before, but this just feels like very different because like we as an audience know it's ghost face. Samara Weaving is slow on the uptake. <laughs> Yeah, she like, should have known this. She's seen all the stab movies. Yeah, she's the Rebecca McKendry stand-in, and I guarantee you, Rebecca McKendry would not go into an alleyway down a dark alleyway with a, dark a phone alley call yeah. with a guy she's never met. Yeah, yeah, Rebecca McKendry would know better. <laughs> uh, it does make me wonder, though, if this character is sort of—I don't know. Maybe it's just because the only horror movie professor I know of is Rebecca McKendry, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hey, um, the, I mean, the Radio Silence guys are huge fans of all things horror, so I, I, I definitely wouldn't put it past them because there are plenty of Easter eggs very early on in this movie to other, I guess I would say smaller things. Like, obviously, we get a Jason Takes Manhattan. Can't... Easter egg in the opening of this movie, yeah. but we also get some other little Easter eggs in this. Like, so the movie opens with Samara weaving; she gets killed right away, uh, which is kind of what we were expecting. Something that, again, the screen movies haven't done. Usually, if she gets killed right away, you see ghost face mask, and then we'd cut to whoosh, Scream Six on the the title card. Uh, instead, we get ghost face just taking his mask off right away in this movie, and you know who he is. Yes. And here's the thing. The voice on the phone call before it goes into voice face or ghost face voice, I recognized Tony Revolori. I don't know. His name. I recognized his yeah. voice. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh shit. Oh shit. I'm right. I'm right. And I got like really like I was all excited and I'm pumped. And I'm like, oh, I recognize the voice. And then he takes off the mask. And I'm like. Oh, like I'm definitely right, <laughs> but then it doesn't stop there. I'm like, it 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 goes into second opening kill, mm -hmm. where your ghost face are now the object of a cat and mouse with another ghost face who's way more vicious. Mm -hmm. Like this opening scene sets the tone because, like, I don't know if you felt this way, but I felt like I felt like Samara Weaving's death was very like. It's kind of it was bland, and then when you figure out why it was so bland, it's literally this guy's first time trying to be Ghostface. It's like, oh shit! Well, that makes sense then. That makes sense why, you know, like there was a little bit, um, there was a little bit of, um, oh my god, why did I lose my train of thought? I'm sorry, dude. Like, there's not a whole lot of character behind the killer. Yeah. Just, he stabs her in the gut a bunch of times. Yeah, and it, it just, like, and it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel all that vicious. It feels almost like, it feels kind of timid, actually. Like, it doesn't feel as, like, 
oh god like this is you know like it feels like you're watching someone inexperienced and i think like there that's a testament to the stunt performers that are behind the ghost face mask in this movie like they've given ghost face a different personality this time around mm -hmm. um and they differentiate between who's behind the mask and i think they even do that as the movie progresses like you can tell who's behind the ghost face mask in this one i think more so than any of the other ones that you that that i that have come out before yeah like there's there's questions going around about it, uh, even in the first one like is it Stu or is it billy and like people people have their like theories and everything but i think in this one it's a little bit more like once you know who it is it's more cut and dry and i think the stunt performers like there had to be conversations about who it was behind the mask and maybe it's because I mean, spoilers for Scream 5, but if you haven't seen it at this point, like, come on. Um, I think maybe Radio Silence took the criticism of how was it that little, like, Amber in the ghost face mask to kill Dewey? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because when Ghostface stands up, like, he's very much taller than Dewey. He's, like, you know, and suspension of disbelief, that never bothered me much in Scream 5. It didn't. Yeah. But I think they took that to heart because in this one, like you can tell who, like when we get into the third act, we'll be able to explain more of that. But yes. Yeah. Agreed. The, so the, obviously Scream is always known for taking horror tropes and subverting them. Mm -hmm. And for me, five, I don't think did a great job of it besides its opening kill. And actually, I, I read this somewhere where someone's like, the opening kills of these, th this movie are of, of the entire series are the most inventive part of each of the movies. Yes. Whereas the final act tends to kind of remain the same. And yeah. I agree with that because you look at, you know, the opening of the first one obviously is iconic. Two, mm -hmm. you get another, I, I, I think all of these pretty much are. Yes. You get the movie theater opening. Third one, you get Cotton Weary's death. Yep. Fourth one, you get the multiple stab openings. Which that one? And that you're one. like, which one of these is real? And you finally get to the real one at the end. Five, you get the subversion of your opening kill isn't a kill. Yep. And, and then this one, you get the opening kill that turns into someone killing the opening killer, which I think yep. is perfect. It's a great way to open this of the ghost face that the characters, our main core four, is going after. Um, I should have read the plot. Maybe I should have read the plot of this movie like I did the Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's get into it right now. Let's, I guess we're into spoilers. Yeah. So so taking place one year after the events of Scream 5, Sam, Tara, Chad, and Mindy, the core four, find themselves in New York City, but they are unable to escape the horrors of Woodsboro as a new ghostface killer haunts the streets of New York. But what subverts the opening is that ghostface kills the people that are going to kill them. Yes. And such a great opening. We find out right away that Tony Revolori, uh, who plays Jason Carvey, again, obvious yeah, Jason to, Jason Carvey. to Jason Voorhees. I think it's a nod to Dana Carvey, too. Yeah, it could be. With Absolutely S could with be. Dana Carvey, with SNL. SNL, and being in Halloween 2, with this being like oh, the sequel. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's yeah. a, there's, there's some 
multiple layers to to the carvey last name also just being carve like carving something yeah uh and so he plays jason and then there's this roommate greg that we get to see later in another a homage to a different horror franchise um but he gets a phone call right away and we end up having a ghost face getting a ghost face call and it's so great obviously you can tell that uh jason and greg are huge horror fans they have posters all they have psycho posters they're on the big wall. into giallo <laughs> yeah they have a last podcast on the left poster there's an ice nine kills magnets on their fridge they're watching jason takes manhattan yep and he thinks it's he thinks it's his like partner in crime on the other line just kind mm-hmm. of like messing with him at first and we also and... find out that they were roommates or classmates of richie yes yep who is the, the the killer in the last movie? Yep, and they're looking to finish Richie's movie essentially. Yep, and it, it's it's a really like for as like ah oh, why is this happening as the first call is with Samara weaving like why is she being this dumb why is this ghost face like this obvious about everything like this next call is a very tense cat and mouse game. Like, it's very much like, you don't, it keeps you in suspense because you genuinely don't know if it's just going to be the other ghost face messing with him, or if it's, you know, obviously a different ghost face. And it ends up being a ghost face, a a different ghost face. And it leads to like, maybe one of my favorite lines ghost face has ever uttered in one of these movies, which is. Who gives a, who fuck, gives a about fuck about movies? Like Roger L. Jackson's delivery of that is like he I don't know, like this might be my favorite performance from Roger L. Jackson. The stuff Ghostface is saying and like mm-hmm. the line deliveries in this, they're it's just next level. It's just he's got some bounce in there and yeah. some meanness. Like this this ghost face is just brutal it's... and vicious, not just physically, but verbally too. Like, ooh. The opening of this movie is, I think it's the best part of this movie. It's a great opening, and it is also the best meta take of of this entire movie. Because we'll talk about it later, because each screen movie has, like, what's its meta commentary? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the meta commentary is on Scream 6. Uh, besides yeah. this, the opening of this movie, I think, does a really great job of, of subverting that. Also, Friday the 13th Part 2, there is a Part 2 reference in this movie. Yes. There's a head in the fridge. I think that is a direct reference to part two. Oh, of has to be. Has to be. They're, they are like, they're referencing part twos just as much as they're referencing like franchises, which is kind of, you're right. When they get into the meta commentary on like what it means to be a franchise, I don't think it's as sharp yeah. as what like some of the previous movies have been. I don't think the meta commentary is the strongest part of this particular movie yeah and i did i felt the same for the last movie too where i'm like the amount yeah. of commentary you're giving is one you already gave it feels a little on earlier. the nose too to yeah me. and not like, to like it, jump it, into it, screen five or screen four but like screen four does the the requel before the mm-hmm. requel though like yeah because that movie it brings back the original cast, but we're introducing new characters. We have to kill off the old cast so our new characters can shine, type of thing. Did that in 2011. 
Yeah. And when they did yeah. it again in 20, 2022, I was like, y'all did that 10 years earlier. Let's do something different. And they go into like, it's more was commentary on like fans for... and Star Wars. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a, it's, perfectly serviceable like it's it's a really good slasher movie it's a serviceable screen movie. yeah you know what i mean like i like i watch that one as a slasher like if i just turn my brain off and i watch it i'm like god this is so much fun but like putting it up next to the other screen movies it just doesn't have that extra mm-hmm. bite i feel like that most of them do scream six however <laughs> scream six i feel like has plenty of bite yeah and i just think it not in its meta commentary just in general of the way the the way the story is presented the way it unfolds Mm -hmm. and what what it means moving forward for the franchise i think the biggest thing about this movie compared to a lot of the previous screen movies is the pacing of it Mm -hmm. it's foot on the throttle this entire time yeah it's relentless and yes and the parts where it does take its foot off the gas i think are the worst parts and that's my biggest complaint to this um and unfortunately it comes from our leads a lot of those is where we try to really? build character development because as soon as we get out of our cold open we end up with um sam not you sam billy's yep. daughter billy's <laughs> daughter sam uh <laughs> And she's going through therapy, and the actress that plays her, Melissa. Do you do you not like her in this one? She's she's much better in this one than she is in the last. Oh, one. see, I did a one eighty on her from she's screen not, five to screen six. I think she's the best of the main four in this one. Hard disagree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's much better than the last one. There's things held over from the last one with her character. I'm like, all right, let's move on fast. This this is dumb. Um, <laughs> Ghost Billy looking at you. Um, okay, yeah, I didn't like the Ghost Billy stuff in this it's one. So I dumb. like the go- I actually like the Ghost Billy stuff in Screen Five. I didn't like the Ghost Billy stuff it's in this so one. Dumb. I was like, I was like, I feel like we can move on. From this yeah, let's <laughs> let's be done with Ghost Skeet. Uh, and and move on fast this because in the last two years he looks like he's aged a decade like i don't know if they just i don't know what it was but they did not do as good of a job selling the teenage aspect of him like he looks like a grown look he he doesn't look like oh i thought he at least looked halfway decent in screen five but in this one he did not no this one he looks like he put on a white t-shirt and they filmed his scene quick after he like spent a whole night drinking and chain smoking, like seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- let's move on past. <laughs> yes. Ghost Billy. <laughs> let's be done with it. Um, at least have both Ghost Billy's mother instead. Let's like let's at least mix it up a little. Yeah, bring back Debbie Salt. Yeah. <laughs> um, Billy's mother. Mother. <laughs> the the sister dynamic in this movie is. The reason why I I'm I'm, I'm I'm tempted to put this below screen two and four, um, I think it really takes the movie down. Uh, Sam is a much better character. Is it Tara? Is the other yeah, one? Tara. Uh, uh, Jenna Ortega is unsufferable in this movie. Uh, really? Yes. Uh, especially how it's definitely how the character is written, where she's like. 
she doesn't want her sister she doesn't want to live in the past but the way she's acting is doesn't feel like an actual character feels like a tv show character which i get scream has a lot of that but i think in the last one we ended with them being pretty tight sisters by the end of this by the end and going through this trauma and figuring out sam's uh, personal legacy versus Tara's. Here we get like I, she's boy crazy for some reason. Um, uh, I think it's the same. So okay, I don't. Know. I know you didn't like Halloween ends, um, but I I kind of got different vibe. I kind of got the same vibes with like Tara as I got with Allison in Halloween okay. ends, where it's like she's been through this traumatic event. She's just kind of throwing herself at anything that's going to take her mind off of that. It's just, uh, it's an escape, you know? And that's why douchey McDate rape at the house party. She's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. and I've seen people react to trauma in similar ways. So like it, that didn't, for, for me, it didn't strike me as weird or off or anything. I guess I, I I read it as off because as an audience member you want to be on their side, and yeah, I'm not I get on that. their side when she's doing that. It just puts you off. You're like, yeah, go go with douchey rape, date rape guy then. Yeah, let Ghostface. I just yeah, yeah. I don't know. I but I like it because different... it kind of sets up the 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 Chad thing too, where he kind of steps in. Yeah. And I kind of wish the movie just focused on that instead, because that works a lot better. Um, I think that's the relationship you should have focused on in this movie. Yeah, I agree. They did the sister stuff in the last one. Yeah. Let's focus on moving past that and integrating the rest of the group with them. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh. We get the party scene, which again, this movie is like littered with with cameos in the the, the Halloween parties and in the subway. Um, Sam, yeah. I know you said you didn't recognize this on the one, the biggest one I saw in this. There's a there's a hot rod costume at this party. I know, I missed it. I wish I hadn't. And it's someone just wearing the the like jumpsuit and the yellow cape, and it says Rod on the back. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, why is there a hot rod reference in this? Because the radio silence guys are cool as shit. <laughs> yeah. They're Lonely Island fans, I know. They gotta be. They gotta be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the party scene happens, and you've got obviously some tension between Jenna Ortega. You've got and Sam. Um, and see that stuff didn't bother me. Like I actually really like that stuff in this. Um, I thought the way the characters were written were one thousand times better than in Scream Five. Um, I thought they actually had relationships with each other. And um, I love that Jenna Ortega was not just confined to being in a hospital in this one. I think out of all of the final girls that get confined to a hospital, she's one of the better ones in Scream 5. But I was just glad to see her actually get something better to do than just scream and be terrified. Um, and maybe that's why it felt jarring when she was kind of like acting out and being like, no, like get, get away from me. Like Mm -hmm. I want to live my own life because like we didn't get much of Tara as an actual character in the last one. I feel like, you know, and, and this is a, this is a girl who's had a largely absentee mother who 
until recently has had a largely absentee sister. Like she really hasn't any family except for her friends who are all now either butchered or almost butchered or tried to butcher her. Yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of get it. I kind of get it, you know? Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I would have rather have them be like, maybe she's too attached to her sister or something like that. I, yeah. I think there's better, better character developments. They could have I could see that. Sisters. Um, I can see that. We also get introduced to the rest of the cast. We get uh slutty redhead, uh, we get a nerdy, nerdy roommate who looks yeah, like a nerdy roommate. They're, they're like, all just stereotypes. Who looks like yeah. guy, the guy from Halloween ends. The Mindy's anime girlfriend. Yeah. Like. <laughs> we get hot guy from across the hall. Yeah. <laughs> like literally just all stereotypes, but all played pretty wonderfully. Yeah. By, they're fun. They're fun. characters. They're, they're, they're all they fun are. characters. Yeah. 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 I love, I mean, uh, sorry, jumping ahead a little bit, but I love the subway sequence with Mindy and the room and like Chad's roommate where they get stuck on the same subway car together. And she's like, he's ghost face. Yeah. <laughs> and she keeps like looking. I'm like, don't even look at me. Yeah. <laughs> like just she, like, giving kept an attitude the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like sticking her tongue out. and I don't know. I just, that sequence was really fun. Yeah, uh, Chad and Mindy are the best new characters introduced from five oh. and six by by yeah. far. We get both of them feel like Randy and and Dewey mixed together, but also being yeah. very much their own thing too. Oh, by the end of this movie, this movie definitively states that um, Mason Gooding is like that. Chad is the new Dewey. Like Chad is the new Dewey at the end of this. Like. They 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 put that stake in the ground. <laughs> yeah, and that's where I argue. So that's where I argue that this movie, the commentary, doesn't work. Is when we get into this. So that's pretty much yeah. right away. Uh, they figure out the kids figure out like there's a new Ghostface killer in in New York. Obviously, they're going to be coming at Ghostface is going to be coming after them. Um, we get the the, the rules scene. Mm-hmm. where Mindy is explaining the rules. This time it's the rules of a franchise. Yeah. And the rules of a franchise are no characters are safe, even the ones you just introduced in the last one. Yeah. Except and, all the characters you introduced in the yeah. last one and the cut ones coming back are all safe. Yes. So and I don't... Here's, uh, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Scream knows what it is as a franchise. And it knows that the reason you come back every time is because you love the core characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and now that they've actually gotten us to fall in love with the new characters that they have introduced, they can't kill them because they're the people. Like, it's not going to be but, Neve Campbell. It's not going to be Courtney Cox. It's not going to be David Arquette bringing you back for Scream 7. It's going to be these four. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's going to be the core four. Yes. From a meta standpoint. Because right now, what is the reason people are going to... What was the reason people were going to go watch Scream 6? Is it because of these four characters coming back and I want to hang out with them? It depends on what generation you're talking about. Or is it I want to see Ghostface kill people? 
I think it's also Ghostface. I think Ghostface is at huge this too, point yeah. is because I want to see Ghostface and the reveal who's going to be the killer, and I wish they would play on that a little bit more and start killing off these characters we introduce a little quicker because yeah. the reason, especially when you get to screen three, is that oh my god we have David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and Nev Campbell. And all three are going to survive because we like hanging out with them. They're the reason we come watch a Scream movie, right? Yeah. And it's a new killer every time. It's not that the killer returns and we have new characters. It's we have our characters returning with a new killer every time. Now I wish they would start playing up. We have the same. I would love a same killer. And we have new characters. See, you know what I mean? What I would I love to see I think a they'll start playing with that. I hope I hope we do. Uh, we get re- a returning killer at some point in the series to at least go full circle I, in our meta take. I think they tease it in this one. I think we're going to get it in the next one. I said that last time, but I maybe this maybe. I think they're just trying it. to keep people talking. You're talking about the Stumacher stuff. Yeah. I think they're just trying to get people to keep talking because it creates buzz in this franchise. It um, does, but at some I, point, I think you have to do it and somehow subvert it. I don't know what the subversion is, but maybe you know he I think saves them? Do? I don't know. No, you know what I think they should do? Especially if they want to bring, ever bring Neve Campbell back. Stu Mocker is in hiding, and he's the opening kill. Yeah. I think that would bring Sydney back. I think that'd be reason enough to bring Sydney back. And then you have her for one more movie. I don't think you need to bring Sydney back. I actually really like that she was not in this. And I like the way that they uh, they handled that, where Gail literally just has the one line where it's like, she deserves her happy ending. She's not coming. And I was like, yeah. Yes. Yes. And no. like, what, well, what bring, would the reason be for her to come in? You know, like, what would the reason be for her to have come to New York? What, where would she have even fit into that story? Like, that's what I want to know, you know? Yeah, I, they bring her up quite a bit in this movie, though. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's just because they always she's ask, the DNA of this franchise. Yes, and that's where I'm... One, I want Nev to get the payday. She deserves it. This yes, is her, this is her franchise. Um, and that's partially where I'm like, all right, now it's starting to become the Ghostface franchise when we should... If we're going to continue to subvert where it's about the characters, let's keep bringing Sydney back. Um, there are ways they could have introduced it. Five did not do a good job of that. She's just there. Oh, that's just poor writing. That's not anything on Neff Campbell. That's her, just poor and, writing. her and Gail both didn't need to be in five. No, I also argue Gail doesn't need to be in this movie. So Gail shows up. I agree, doing, but I think doing, she's one of the best parts. Oh, I was so happy when she was in it. I think she has one of the best chase scenes in it. Um, yep. But when she shows up, she's doing typical Gail stuff. See, and I love and that. Fun. I love that she just kind of yes. reverted back. Yeah. She's like, is someone else? So Gail in this, she writes a book on what happens in the last movie. <laughs> and just reverts back to old habits, gets punched in the face. But she like, doesn't at but first. Her, but her Sam takes the yeah. swing and misses because she ducks it and she goes, please, you think that's the first time? And then Jenna Ortega just comes in and right hooks her. <sighs> yeah. I love it's, that moment. It's fun. It's a fun yeah, it's a fun moment in her excuse of like, well, someone was gonna write a book on it. Why why shouldn't it be me? Yeah, I guess you're right. 
Yeah. Um, there's one character thing. We're jumping all over the place, but there's one character thing I didn't like with her. Okay. She doesn't need a boyfriend. Mm. No names. See, I liked God. it because no name guy in apartments. Yeah, but my favorite part was when unnamed boyfriend gets thrown through a friggin' bookcase, and then you've got that dope ass shot of Ghostface just standing there. Yeah. She has a great chase scene again, kind of harkening back to Scream Two of yeah. her chase with Ghostface and that. Um, I also never realized again. I I looked up trivia on this, and I didn't put two and two together till I saw that. This is the first time Courtney Cox Gale has ever received a call. Has yeah, has gotten a call. Yep. Here's the thing. I guess though. they reference it in the movie, and I just didn't how, pick up on it. But that's cool. How the fuck would that ghost face know that though? Unless she like wrote it in one of her books that she'd never gotten a call. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's the case. But yeah, I just thought it was really funny when it's like, this is the first time we've talked, and I'm like, you're like the sixth ghost face. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> She had to have written it in her book. Yeah, she had to have. Some now that snide comments of it, like, like, somehow I've never gotten a call. Yeah, I was about to say, nothing seems sacred with Gail. She would she would spill everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> and they also point out of like the fan theories of one of at some point Gail is going to be a killer. I don't I don't want that. I think no. I think we, that would be awful. I think we could get it, but I don't. I don't know I don't if it would work. It. I, don't I don't think know if it would work. I don't think it works with her personality. Yeah. Like she's ruthless, but she's not that ruthless. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, so I, this is one of the most tense scream movies. Um, we get some really great scenes throughout it. The Gale one being one towards the, the third act of this movie. Um, yep. but the scene in the apartment is great. Where that has like rear window vibes, yeah. Where we get Ghostface in the room of the redheaded roommate, yep, which pays off later. Um, but we get like, yeah, the bo- hot boyfriend from across the hall seeing it, yep, and his trying window, to yell, trying to warn them, and they're all just like in the kitchen having a heartwarming core four moment, yeah. Meanwhile, like Ghostface is in there eviscerating someone. <laughs> And that's the see the 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 scene with the four at the table. I think is the best character work for yeah. them for them four. I agree, especially when they're like I like when she says she's been sleeping with hot guy from across the hall, and all of them are like, "Yeah, we knew that. Oh, we knew it." Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yes, just be friends. Yeah, it's not yeah. that hard to do. Absolutely, I I love the core four in this. I think the dinner scene and just like. Just their in general, their interactions with each other, just I don't know. And and like Mason Gooding and Jasmine Savoy Brown as like Chad and Mindy, they're just they're incredible. Mm-hmm. Um Mason Gooding could carry this whole franchise for the next ten years and I wouldn't complain about it. <laughs> like yeah. he's he's awesome. So I uh, I love the is the is the apartment scene before or after the bodega scene? Because the bodega scene's like pretty early on. I was actually kind of shocked at that. How like how quickly the bodega scene happened at the the convenience in the store? little like convenience store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was the first scene. 
that was like the first chase. big chase sequence. Yeah. Yep. And I just, man, the brutality in that, like, I know everybody kind of saw a quick cut version of it in the trailer. It's so much more intense in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's genuinely terrifying and it evokes like it definitely like radio silence knew what they were doing. It, it definitely evokes like mass shooting kind of vibes and it's, it's like, it's terrifying in a very real and grounded way, in a way that a lot of screams have not been since the first one. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty fucked up. Like it's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I really, I think that bodega scene is perfect. I know people were complaining about the shotgun. I'm like, he's in New York. He's going to be going like Ghostface is going to be going up against people who are armed and that creates new opportunities. And then when you figure out who Ghostface is, particularly yeah. who the Ghostface is in that scene, because you know who the Ghostface is in that scene. Oh yeah, that makes total fucking mm-hmm. sense. You know, I, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, like it's no strange stranger to to this franchise to have Ghostface with a gun. Yeah, he usually is out of costume when he has said gun, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Not 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 anything different than the rest of the franchise. I think that's honestly my least favorite chase scene of this movie, though. Oh, really? Yeah, I think the apartment scene with the ladder is great. I love yeah, the subway. Scene. The subway stuff is incredible. I will talk about it, but I love how the trailer is cut for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, then the the final act—not really a chase, but a fun set piece. But the apartment scene is so great with the use of New York City apartments having this escape ladder is their only way in or out of this apartment where they use it as a bridge from hot guy's apartment to theirs. Yeah. Um, And you know, what's going to happen. And it's like, Oh my gosh, who's it going to happen to? Yep. Uh, Happens to, happens to poor girlfriend to, to poor anime girlfriend. We we knew nothing about she was my, yeah, but she was like, she was so spunky and fun. Like you didn't get to know her very quick, very much, but like just in the short screen time she had, I kind of fell in love with her. Like, I was like, oh man, I hope she lives and she's in like the next one. And then as soon as that scene happened, I'm like, oh, she ain't going to be around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, she, she probably would have died before the cops showed up anyway. Cause she was bleeding yeah. up for food. She's profuse. She, I mean, she got gutted. Like yeah. I was like, I was like, man, like if the if you even, get across the ladder, I don't even know if you're going to make it, but yeah. at least you won't get like eviscerated. And then she got eviscerated anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that scene was brutal. And like Ghostface just violently rocking the ladder. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, oh my God. And it just took forever too. Like they drew it out. Not enough for you to lose tension, but enough for you to just be like, oh my God, just get it over with. Just get mm-hmm. it over with. Oh God, because you knew it was coming. And it just, when it, when it hit, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. and then they'd show a close up of it, which I thought was even like, they don't shy away from gore in this one. No. Like it's, it's, it's easily the goriest since the original. I think like you're actually watching people's like innards come out. And <laughs> it's, it's pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, and then we get introduced right after this, if I'm not mistaken. It's after this kill that we get reintroduced to Kirby. Yeah, yep. Who is now an FBI agent. And very different than the last Kirby we saw. Yeah. Which I liked Kirby in this. 
Yeah, I we probably could have used more of her. Um, yeah, I think it's maybe just because she wasn't in the last one too that it kind of felt like we're a little distant. Um, yes. Well, especially... and they kind of kept you at a distance because they were upping the like suspect vibe of her. I think that was part of it, where it yeah. was like, you know, the whole time you were kind of guessing, like, oh, they they planted little seeds of doubt. And, and I feel like that's part of why maybe we didn't get full Kirby this time. I hope next time we do. Yeah. I hope she's back for Scream 7. I also think we got enough of her in a couple scenes with our new characters. Uh, there's a one scene where she's with Mindy and they're talking about their favorite horror movies. Yeah, I like that one Which is great. And then there's another scene where, again, the better of character moment stuff where uh, Gail is talking to Sam mm. about mm-hmm. family. And yeah. uh, Kirby is talking to uh, whatever Jenna Ortega's character, Tara, Tara about yeah. about like why she joined the FBI and she wanted to be the monster that they're afraid of. Um, and I think again, those both work for building Kirby as as a character and one that we still recognized um, as the same character from the fourth film. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I do like I liked Kirby in this. I just I hope that she's maybe an even bit like I thought she was integral. I mean, she was obviously integral to this one, um, but I hope she's just more baked into the main dynamic in the next one, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, because I feel like she was more peripheral in this one, which she was in Scream mm-hmm. 4 too. Maybe Kirby's best in small doses. I don't know, but. Yeah, but also the tough thing is going forward with her is she kind of filled the Randy role. Yeah. Four, and now we have two Randys, so it's like we need a third one. Me as yeah. a Randy fan, I'm like, yeah, we could. Why not? <laughs> I was but, about to say, like, pretty much every fan of this is a Randy. So, like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. You can't or, have too many audience surrogates, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But no, I liked her reintroduction here. Um, I also liked that just this little moment of when uh, when Sam recognizes her. Because it's like, oh yeah, duh, they would have gone to school together. She would probably yeah. know who she is. Yeah. Oh, nice 100%. Little character Especially yeah. since she was like a freshman when the ghost face killings were happening in 2011. Mm-hmm. Which, it's crazy to me. I never even thought about it. Like, I was literally the age of the kids in screen four like screen four came out my senior year (laughs) i was gonna say i have a theory and maybe we fall into it i don't know that your favorite scream sequel is when you're in high school hmm my favorite is still two though but four is really good i Mm -hmm. do love four i don't know i don't know or at least you like the ones you're that came out when you're in high school more than most people do I think that's yeah, true. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that's true because I know I like Scream 4 more than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, think I think Scream people 4 is in tremendous. Their early 20s or high school age like Scream 5 a lot more than we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I was just listening to, I think, Dr- yeah, like Drum Dums did a live, uh, he did like a live uh, chat where they talked about all spoilers with like a couple other people. And there was a younger younger YouTuber or streamer on there who um, 
who said like, you know, the first four were just kind of ones that he had in his collection, but he just pull them out every once in a while. Like the, he's like, the first one's a classic, but it was never really my franchise until Scream 22 came out. And that was when it like really hit for me. And mm -hmm. like, that makes sense. Like there's a whole generation that's probably like that, where it's like, you know, these four movies that came out before I was really into horror are good, but there's something about like, the discovery like the renewal of a franchise specifically for you that like yeah. just strikes a chord i think you know mm -hmm. and because think... that's essentially what these are they're they're movies like they're made for fans of the originals but they're also made to entice new people into it you know mm -hmm. so. it's your entry scream is your entry before you watch like even friday the 13th nowadays yeah Oh or yeah, one hundred. Or the original Halloween, or I'd argue that Ghostface is bigger than any other slasher icon in this day and age. Like, yes. genuinely. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, let's go to the subway scene because yes. I think it's so great because the marketing for this movie, the first trailer you ever saw, was that little tease of the the core four on the subway. Mm -hmm. But it's cut to look like they're all in the same subway car together. Yeah, but they're and actually they split up in the separated, split up in the movie, and I'm like, oh my god, that's genius! What a great way to add tension in this movie, where you your first teaser you share of the movie is them all together on this subway, but in reality they're not. Well, especially it makes when you feel like no teaser... one's safe. Oh yeah, because like in the teaser, you see like Ghostface's glove go over Mindy's mouth you know, and like, you're mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, you know, like, and, and that's like, that's terrifying. But you're like, at least there are people around her, you know, mm -hmm. and then the movie happens, and she gets separated from the rest of them. And then she not only that, she's further separating herself from the only other person that she knows on this subway. And I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no, like, she's, She's gone. And I mean, she wasn't because she's one of the four that has plot armor. She's the core four. Yep. Um, that plot armor is mm -hmm. really heavy this time around. <laughs> yeah. Especially when she brings up the meta take on, they don't have plot armor anymore. Yeah. But yeah. they all do. And I, it's like, eh, I think it's really, one of you should, one of you should have died. Here's the thing though. I like that. It went that goofy. Like from the moment, from the opening scene, I feel like this was a goofier screen. Like, this is this is the scariest scream. This is the meanest scream. But I also think, aside from the original, it's the funniest. Like, I genuinely got some big laughs out of this one. Yeah. I think, I think in the final act, the written and directed by, <laughs> yeah, is like one of the funniest things in any scream movie. Like that genuinely caught me off guard, and it made me laugh so hard because it's. It's the end of the movie. <laughs> and I, I don't know. It was just very interesting to me. Um, this How much of like the, the humor was in there from the get-go, you know? Yeah, I feel like the franchise is morphing into more of a traditional slasher franchise than a yeah. meta, meta-textual franchise. Yeah, Especially I think in this so. One, because it feels like we are... When you get to the third act, there is, even before that, when they enter the ghost face lair, mm -hmm. where it has all this memorabilia and it's nostalgia porn in this movie. And it's just showing off yeah. all the, 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 the 
previous ghost face and stuff. Um, you would see that in another, like I could see that in a not meta meta slasher movie. Yeah, I could too. And, and that's the thing. Like I, I understand people's apprehension towards like, Oh, this one wasn't meta enough. The meta commentary doesn't cut, but I'm also kind of at the point where, a, this one came out a year after the other one. And I yeah. even think Scream 2 is my favorite sequel. I, But I don't think the meta-commentary is as strong in that one either. Like, I, I don't necessarily think the meta-commentary for a, a horror sequel is very strong in Scream 2. Mm-hmm. But what it makes up for in that is, like, some viciously intense set pieces and it just it goes full yeah. throttle it goes harder and i think that's what scream six also does and that's why it worked for me like i i'm definitely in the contingency of like scream two is one of the best sequels and this one gave me a lot of scream two vibes and there was even yeah. a point in my in my ranking where i had scream two as like my favorite screen movie i love scream two mm-hmm. i think that the first good. one is uh, unbeatable but like scream six to me gives there's only so much meta commentary you can do before it's like, okay, yeah, we've heard this before. So maybe that's yeah. what the series has to evolve into is just, hey, we're going to have fun with the formula. We're just going to fuck around with it a little bit. Or even getting you know? too goofy with the meta stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. I know, like the next logic, <laughs> unfortunately, the, le- the next logical step this series could take is something space related. I think there's or a way you can do like, this. On or a they boat go to... or a plane. Yeah. Or... <laughs> Send them to space camp. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's funny. Maybe it's too goofy, though. But uh, there's stuff you can do with it. And uh, maybe they're they're past that point now where they can't go back to being that. Where Scream 3 is, I think, the biggest of like, yeah, this is really goofy and we're meta on meta. Where they're making mm-hmm. a Scream movie inside of Scream. And Jay and Silent Bob show up, and like it's that, like the director of a stab movie is your killer. Like it's, and then four and five kind of revert back to the first two a little bit more. Um, Maybe we're past that point. I don't know. We'll see. Um, The the finale. So let's get to these killers. Yeah. Um, I know this is probably where we differ a lot. Okay. Because this. I, I'm not going to lie to you. This is maybe my favorite ghost face reveal since the original. All right. Um, so I, I, I genuinely love this, this reveal. I, I, like I said at the top, I predicted this correctly. It is, um, what's his name? I, I, Dermot Moroni. Yeah. As Detective Bailey. Detective <laughs> Bailey, um, who turns out to be the father of Richie. Yep. Okay. Who also so has a sister who is the redheaded roommate and a brother who is the nerdy roommate of Chad. Yes. Um, so go ahead. Do you, did you, did you catch earlier in the movie when the roommate, I think her name is like Blair or something was talking about her, her brother who had passed in a car accident. Yeah. And when she said that, I'm like, no, she's talking about Richie. Like, and I genuinely thought that. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that. she's one of the killers. She's 100% one. And then she dies. And so I was like, oh, it's not them. And, like, I knew that, like, Dermot Mulroney had, like, lost his son or whatever. But I hadn't put that together. Because, like, once Blair died, I was like, oh, well, whatever. 
you know, like I, I just, I lost that train of thought. And so this movie genuinely kept me guessing because it did throw me off the scent. And I know there are a lot of people saying that it was like the most predictable that like they called it like, you know, an act in and a, I generally think people sometimes say that just to sound smarter than the movies. And they, Sam, you know, I predicted it before I even saw the movie. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just really liked this. And I thought the reveal was cool. I thought the motive was cool. Does it stretch credibility a little bit that he was able to pull all of this off? Oh, for fuck's sake, yeah. yeah but, but every Scream movie's movie, yeah. done that. Like the first, the first one, it's two dorky high school kids who just like horror movies that managed to pull off this massive killing spree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's Scream. What are you looking for? Overt realism. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the third one, it's is freaking. <laughs> Sydney's, the long lost Sydney's brother. long lost brother that her mom had before her and left him in LA. I don't, yeah. He goes back to Woodsboro and she turns him away. And so he goes to Stu and Billy and he puts the idea. And I'm like, wait Listen, a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Sam, I'm, the one thing I, I'm going to ask us to do to rank in this is the killer reveals. Okay. So. Okay. So let's so, so the killer reveal on this one I don't love even though I did I predicted it I don't love it just because yeah. I think it's really basic and boring where it's oh it's okay. Richie's Richie's dad brother and sister and they're gonna they're gonna be the ones that finish his Richie's movie for him father <laughs> and I just you don't know enough about Richie from last time to care about it to hold over to this one. I did love the Jack Quaid cameo where they like had a baby face Jack Quaid who was like making movies. Yeah. And I thought that was kind Those of a fun. touch. Yeah. Um, you also don't know enough about the two siblings. Oh, I agree with that. I Especially agree with that. the brother where he's just there in the entire movie. He probably has like, what, five lines of dialogue before the finale. But once again, it's giving me Mickey vibes from Scream 2. <laughs> And I loved that. Of course, neither of these two are Timothy Oliphant, yeah. which is why Scream 2 is higher in my ranking than Scream 6. But... <laughs> yeah. And that's where I like I like Jack Quaid a lot more as the killer in the last one, because he... When you do the killer reveal, there should be a level of, like, overacting. Yeah. Because you look at even, the like, the first one... Billy and Stu, you're looking at Skeet and Matthew Lillard, especially Matthew Lillard. Especially Matthew They're Lillard. They're turning yeah. it up to 11. They are past trying to act. They are overacting. Scream like, 2 is Matthew no different. Matthew Lillard's just like Sc spitting all over. Yeah. Like <laughs> Hit me in the head with the phone, dick! My parents are going to be so pissed. <laughs> yeah. And then you get Timothy Oliphant. The, the Billy's Mother. Mother. <laughs> Even screen three, he goes oh, over yeah. the top. He goes over the top. Emma Jill. Roberts, I do not like her. I do not think she's good in the third act of screen right. four. But she goes over the top. It's it's campy. I just don't think she does campy well. That's no. that's my only complaint with four, really. <laughs> but, um, and then, yeah, like screen five, I think Richie is perfect as a ghost face mm -hmm. i have grown on mikey madsen's amber quite a bit in in the past year i still think her line reading of like because in our movie our movie has 
fucking stinks. I'm like, okay, that's a great line reading. <laughs> Even in this one, Dermot, Maro- Derm- Dermot Maroney uh, turns it up. Oh, yeah. The other He's two... Good. Aren't, aren't great they're they're given they're they're, they're a little they're, they're a little jill roberts they're a little yeah. jill roberts to me where it's like okay i get what you're doing here you're just not very good yeah. <laughs> um the one thing i will say in the third act the 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 shot that really got me was when uh when blair gets shot in the head and she falls over and right behind her is the dad dermot moroni and the look on his face mm-hmm. is just like he he actually makes you kind of feel for him like yeah it's a weird because like i'm actually kind of sympathetic to Ghostface in this one <laughs> like it's like god i kind of get it like i know that your son was a murderer but he got stabbed 22 times and then had his throat slit like i probably want some revenge too yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> i like the tease of like the that Ghostface is going to survive. But then there's this look between the sisters where it's like, he doesn't deserve to. Yeah. And I'm like, "Ah, I kind of like that. Yeah. The, the like, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a killer like you or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you did fuck with my family. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, Oh, gave me, it gave me, um, gave me your next vibes a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. You yeah. can see that. And yeah. then you get the, the the always shoot him in the head, the killer always yeah. comes back moment. And Kirby gets the final kill, which I like yep. a lot. The TV. Yep. Yeah. And see, here's here's the thing. It's like second to or me, oh, it's like the third reference to Stu in this one. Yeah. Oh because yeah. the first one is them saying, like, oh, do you really think he's dead? There's rumors of Yeah. And Mindy then the says one, like some offhanded comment, like if you even think he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Then the the redheaded killer is like, I'm wearing stews because he was my favorite outfit. Yep. And then you get the TV death. And Kirby's great and line. See, of, I saw it in a movie once. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Mm-hmm. The, so the TV death too is like, to me, that's them. That's radio silence saying like, yeah, okay, we teased you with Stu, but Stu's fucking dead. Like, no one's gonna get up from having a fucking TV pushed under their head. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Object I think they should do it yet. I think it's. I think one of the most clever things the thing. they could still do in this series, at least meta our, meta take on it. Our friend Derek had a comment about this, where it was like, "Well, as you're watching, you can feel this franchise trying to stay on the rails," and I don't necessarily disagree with that. But my thing is. Maybe it shouldn't stay on yeah. the rails. Maybe we should get something that's just fucking wild. <laughs> and if that well, means see, Stu's back, Stu's back, baby. <laughs> the, the thing you asked earlier was what? why would Sydney return to this franchise? What if Stu is the killer? If Stu was the killer, Sydney would come back. Oh, 100%. Yes. And you could even have like a, like a, a like, a Halloween type of standoff. Like you could almost, it would be really weird if like the marketing, if the, if the marketing for the screen movie was literally like, no, we're going to tell you who Ghostface is. Ghostface yes. is Stu. The first and then, trailer like, and, should and reveal Matthew Lillard as Ghostface. Yeah. We already know. 
Yeah. And, and to me, that's almost like a bigger hook of like, oh my God, well, what are they going to do since we already know what ghost face, who ghost face is? And like, have that, like, I don't know, have that, um, <laughs> it could be really funny if Scream 7 was that, where they're like, Stu's back, Neve's coming back, it's a legacy sequel, showdown, you know, like 20 some years later or whatever. And then in the first act, they she introduce like some random person and they pull a Halloween. <laughs> but they're commenting on it the whole time. Or yeah, she kills him. I'm I'm telling you, if they bring Stu back and Stu's like the opening kill, that would be so cool to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah. All right, Sam. What is like Stu has rich parents. Is it that is it that weird to think that maybe they just like pushed it under the rug, you know, mm-hmm. gave him some money to go hot into hiding somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sure. They were know. pissed because he threw a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you threw a party without us. <laughs> My mom and dad are going to be so, so mad at me. <laughs> All right. Uh, final thoughts. And then let's get to it. Let's, let's rank our, uh, killer reveals too oh yeah 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 okay Okay. so my final thoughts or do you want to do killer reveals first let's do final thoughts quick because i don't have much else to say i think this is a my final thoughts are very briefly uh this is one of the better scream sequels um it does a good job of building tension scares bringing callbacks into the franchise it's missing that meta take but i think it's a much better upgrade for our core four characters from scream five i'm really excited for another movie with all these characters and what they can do i'm just hoping that we can add some meta take into it and add another layer to the scream franchise um opening is one of the best of the series yeah um i would i would mirror almost everything you said i love this this is my this is my I think in my actual ranking, this is three. This is like third for me. I, I really, I walked out of this one just absolutely instantly loving it. And most screen movies grow with me over time. So I only imagine that I'm going to like this one more and more as it goes on. Um, because every other screen movie has been pretty much the same, no matter how much I've liked it. I've only grown in appreciation for them. Um, I, like we kind of briefly touched on, I think Melissa Barrera is the freaking MVP of this movie. Um, I know you disagree on that, but I had a hard 180 with that performance and that character. I loved what they did with Sam in this one. I thought she rose to the occasion. Um, I just, I don't know. I thought she was tremendous in this. Um, really just love all of the core four. And I love this new cast of characters. Um, I can't wait to see him again in Scream 7, God willing that that happens, but it's going to because this is already breaking records, franchise records at the box office. So uh, yeah, no, I highly recommend Scream 6. Uh, This one's been more divisive than I thought. This one feels a little bit to me like like The Last Jedi, and I know you didn't like The Last Jedi, um, but like... I walked out of The Last Jedi just absolutely like high on that movie. Just like, oh my God, like this is my favorite Star Wars movie in a while. Only to come out and have people being like, that was one of the worst ones. And like, people are saying that about Scream 6. And I just, different movie, like a different movie experience, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I, as, I, as I a, don't as know what some of the, fan, 
yeah, I don't see I don't see it. I can see this as one. I definitely think this is a huge upgrade over Scream Five, but I'm seeing a lot of people. I don't know. Yeah, disappointed. Isn't it, in it. Yeah, isn't that weird? I I don't know. Like it's just I I even tweeted out. Um, I even tweeted out like, and I didn't even get any DMs, but I, so maybe not as many people are absolutely hating it as I thought. But I'm just like, can someone tell me like what the what the issues are with this one? Like genuinely, I just I just want to know because I yeah. I. I'm curious. And no I mean, I'm had... talking about spoilers and it's hard to not get into detail without spoiling yeah. anything. I mean, I had a bunch of problems with this movie, but it I still had a hell of a fun time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just like some of the problems bothered people more or, you know, like mm-hmm. things just irked them slightly more than what they did with me cuz I don't know. Like yeah, there were flaws. There were definitely like moments of like, are you serious right now? But I, none of it I don't know. None of it mattered when I was, I literally chewed off like four different fingernails during this movie. <laughs> so yeah, I dug it. All right. Let's get I, to these I, killer I reveals quick. I'm going to, I'm going to okay. spout, I'm going to spout mine off while you get yours. Yeah. Uh, first one, the best billion stew. Perfect. Uh, horror movies don't make killers. They just make them more inventive. Uh, Two, Billy's mother. It's over the top. It's dumb. It's fun. Scream 2 is great. I would then go Scream 3. Really? I think it's bonkers enough. It's dumb. It's not what you would expect. Uh, It still at least has like... In a trilogy, you always bring things back to the original. At least does that. It's dumb, but it still does it. Roman's fun. I like the overacting. Uh, then I'd go Scream 4, mostly because it subverts the final act where it's then we figure supposed out. supposed to be Jill. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that concept. I honestly just wish it was anybody except for Emma Roberts in that role. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then I'd go probably Scream... Scream... I think I'd go this one and then Scream 5. Okay. Okay. We're gonna have different ones. I don't know. <laughs> so I the, the the first one is my number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's a given. I'd actually agree with you that two is my number two. I genuinely think, I think six is my number three, hmm. and then it goes five, four, and three for me. And four would be higher if it weren't for a. I don't. It, Charlie is a nothing ghost face. Like, I just, I don't feel anything about Charlie. And I just, there's something about Emma Roberts. I mean, I know you have, like, performers that, like, they just don't work for you. Emma Roberts is one of those for me. Like, I just, I don't know. There's 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 just something with her that I just, I can never invest fully in one of her performances. Me, um, with her, she always feels like she's stuck as a Disney actress. A little bit, yeah, yeah. And I kind of like that in this, in that one. I don't know. It's not the best, but I like it. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's how I would do. I, I really don't like the Scream Three Third Act. I, the the reveal to me is like the worst one in the series. I think Roman's, I, I think Roman's boring. I don't, I don't really like his motivation. Um, It's dumb. I don't know. (laughs) 
Yeah, it really is. But I mean, the Scream Six one is too, and like maybe not the motive, but like how the how is really dumb. It's like, no, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that doesn't bother me nearly as much as like, no, that's just a dumb. That's just poor writing. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So well. Should we wrap this, this thing up? Episode. This was. Yeah. This, uh, we told you it was going to be a long one. We were two, over two and a half hours into this. So, uh, okay. yeah, go check out Scream Six. Definitely, both of us recommended it. Obviously, we both spoiled it, but we are excited for another. Bring on some more Scream. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Sam. Yeah. Where can people find this podcast if they uh, have just stumbled on it for the first time? Well, you can subscribe to Screams from the Basement on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and Anchor. And you can also follow us on socials. Where can they follow us on socials, Casey? They can find us Screams from the Basement, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube as well. Um, we are, we're, 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 we're trying the YouTube game. so The YouTubes. Yes. Um, is that it? Is that all we got going yeah. on here? Yeah, I think that's so. It. I think so. I think so. Cool. So please let us know what you thought of Jason. Let let us know your thoughts on Jason Takes Manhattan and Scream Six if you've had it. Uh, if you have had the chance to see it, please do not spoil anything. If you do, comment on one of our socials about this. Let's keep yeah. it spoiler free at least until this movie hits VOD. Yeah, try to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, All guys. right, Sam, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. For Screams from the Basement, I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. Thanks for tuning in. tuning in. in and, sweet and sweet screams. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>